Hello there, friends. This is Spencer Michelle, and today we are going to be doing a very special uh, Q&A question and answer session to celebrate or honor uh, Mercury or Hermes going through uh, their retrograde phase. And I have to chuckle a little bit today because this is attempt number two to do this live Q&A. I had this scheduled originally for Thursday which um, happened to be the heliacal evening, or actually, I'm sorry, not the heliacal, but the evening set of Mercury, which, um, if you aren't familiar, is actually a place where Mercury is, uh, quote unquote, taking to its sickbed. And of course, on that day, in uh, trickster mercurial fashion, uh, our friend Hermes decided to uh, make the internet go down. <laughs> <laughs> for probably about six or seven hours uh, sh very shortly before my live stream. There was some tree work in the area, and I think one of the lines probably got caught. And funnily enough, the, the internet came back on roughly about the time that the live stream would have ended. So um, I decided to just kind of pull the plug, and here we are today, and I'm so glad that you are able to join me today. I'm, I always look forward to these, these chats with all of you. Um, I just really enjoy coming on here and communing with all of you. Uh, I'm really excited about our chat today. Um, my goal for today, what I would like to do is I would like to briefly discuss, you know, since we're doing Mercury retrograde here, briefly discuss kind of the cycle that it's been going through and some important dates in this Mercury retrograde cycle. I would also like to hear some of your Mercury retrograde stories. If you have them, there's always some great, great stories of rescheduled uh, <laughs> tomfoolery that happens around this period of time. Um, and then, you know, I would like to just open it up as a, as a, as an open Q and A. Um, you've got me for maybe a couple hours here. Anything you want to know about astrology, about divination, tarot? Um, it doesn't necessarily have to be Mercury specific. It could be anything that you want to learn. Um, I'm just kind of here to spend some time for you today. But I'm going to shout some folks out in the chat because I'm so excited that you came back today after we had a little snafu on Thursday. So we have uh, Taria is joining us from England. Uh, no, not from England. Sorry, from, from Finland. From from Finland. <laughs> this is going to be one of those days, isn't it? Um, so Taria, thank you for joining us today. Laura is here from Toronto, Canada, uh, and had a good question that I will address. Um, in the beginning of the show here. Um, if you did have a question, uh, make, make sure maybe you put it back in the chat again so I can see it instead of having to scroll way back through to the, to the old questions. Uh, Rachel is stopping in from across the Atlantic on an autumnal Irish evening. I uh, hope things flow well for you with more ease today. Yeah, me too, Rachel, and welcome. I'm glad that you're joining us from across the pond. Uh, Big Steph 63 is here. Hello, my friend. Uh, Lynn is joining us. Hello, Lynn. Nice to see you. Uh, Prudence is here. Hello, Prudence. Um, yes, and Lynn's joining us from Vermont. Um, Prudence, I, where are you from again? Are you New York? I don't know. Put it in the chat. We'll, we'll shout out your place of origin. Uh, Water Trine Muse is here from Oregon. Nice to see you, friend. Uh, we've got Alley Cat coming from the Bay Area. Well, welcome, my friend. Uh, and Rachel is asking, I would be interested in the significance of the retrograde taking place across two signs as opposed to just one. 
Would that be a more complex process moving between the houses? That's a great question. Um, and yes, we will. I will address that. I think that is a great uh, way to think about things. I think it just really shifts the focus that Mercury is going to be placing as far as like what we're going to be reviewing. Maybe there was a different area of our life that we needed to review before um, before we move forward with our projects or our ideas or th things of that nature. Uh, and I'll try to I'll try to touch on that for you. Uh, so Prudence is saying that they are coming to us from Alberta, Canada. All right, another Canadian friend. Cheers to you. All right. So a couple a couple business things before we dive into the Q and A uh, questions and all the good stuff. I have a couple things that I wanted to alert you to before we dive in today. First of all, um, I have a class coming up. So I have a guided group study class where I'm going to be going through ancient astrology in theory and practice by the lovely Demetra George. So this is sort of a combination of a book class, guided group study, accountability partner type of thing, community building experience. We're going to be meeting biweekly starting on September the 26th uh, at 1 p.m. Eastern time. That is a Monday. So we will be meeting via Zoom every other Monday. We also have a, a Discord group where we're going to try to be asking questions. You'll be able to ask questions, uh, reflect on the reading together, um, talk to one another. I will stop in there and answer as many questions as I can. Um, I'm just really excited about this. This is a, a kind of these types of groups are things that I've been a part of in the past, and I just really like creating space for people to connect with one another. Uh, I love teaching. I love trying to make complicated things simple for folks and try to, to bring some practical knowledge into uh, the universe on some level. I'll tell you what, I've been seeing nuthatches today, and that's one of my favorite birds. That's a bird that climbs, it's a little woodpecker that climbs down trees. And to me, the symbolism associated with that is taking something from the divine and making it digestible, bringing it down to the physical plane. And I hope that that's what we'll be doing in that group. And I really hope you'll join us. Um, you can sign up for this in a link that is in the description of this video or on my website, spencermichaud.com. I would love to have your voice in that group um, because there's so many wise people in this community that we have here already that uh, I, I learned so much from all of you. And, that, and a group is only as good as its participants, so I hope that you will join me for that. So that is one of the, the things that I've got going on. Of course, if you want to reach out for a reading, I, my books are open right now. You can reach out for natal readings, transit readings, fixed star, tarot readings, whatever you need. Um, I just love to hold space for you in that capacity as well. Uh, one other announcement as far as a guest that I have coming up, and I haven't put this out there yet, but I wanted to announce it here and then you'll start to see the promo coming. But I have a very special guest coming next Friday, uh, the 23rd of September, I will have uh, my astrology teacher, Achuta Bhavadas, joining me for the new moon in Libra. So that is very exciting. That will be Friday, September the 23rd at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. So a slightly different time than we normally do the live streams, but Achuta is a busy busy dude and we have to kind of work around his schedule which is okay uh, maybe it'll allow some people that aren't able to come to normal ones to come so mark your calendars 4 30 p.m eastern time 3 30 central um so 
And that should be a really great talk. He's a really good friend of mine. He's a great teacher. He's very wise and has a lot of good insights. He also has a couple planets in the in the first decade of Libra. So he's lived um, some experiences with this. And that's something that I try to do with my guests is bring people on the show that have some stories to tell about the specific decades of illumination. So that should be a really great talk. So I hope that you'll mark your calendars and join me for that. And as always, if you are enjoying the content that we are producing here, please hit the like button. That's the first thing that you can do to help me out today. There is also a little dollar sign in the chat. It's called a super chat or a super sticker. Uh, if we were, were going through questions and answers today, that's a great way to get your question highlighted too, to make sure that I see it. Um, that really helps me to keep the lights on here and to pay all the bills and you know get books and things of that nature. So it's going to a good cause and I appreciate all of your help and support. Um, you can also subscribe to my newsletter. That's a great way to get updates on when classes are happening. And of course, you can subscribe to the channel if you're new here. Okay, so we've got a few people saying, oh yes, Raven, Raven is here. Welcome Raven, just came from Achuta's class this morning. Yes, me and Achuta have a lot of, um, I think we have some vibe in common. Uh, we're both Cancer Suns. Uh, with we have a numerology numerological um, unity uh, where we're both seven seven ish type birthday and birth month in numerology you sort of have different cycles based on the, the month and the day and the year and I'm seven seven nineteen eighty and he's seven sixteen nineteen eighty one so there's some really there's some interesting synchronicities that happen and um, we just really enjoy chatting with each other he's a really really nice gentleman and has a lot of great insights into uh, astrology in particular. And I'm, I'm just really grateful for his, um, you know, for his friendship and his teachings and all of that. So I hope that you'll join us for that. Okay, and a few other good friends are stopping by. Dee is here. Hello, Dee, my good friend from across the pond from England joining me today. Had a really nice conversation with Dee the other day. Such a, uh, a very nice gentleman as well. Uh, Sabrina is joining us. Uh, saying, I'll watch when I get home from work. Okay, Sabrina, whoa, whoa, whoa. it'll be recorded, so it'll be there for you when you get back. <laughs> I know there's a lot of, sometimes there's a lot of chores to do on Saturday, right? That's why I usually try to do things during the middle of the week, but so it goes. Hermes had other ideas. Water trying muse. Uh, yes, you watch him every day. He, he is a very productive um, astrologer. He puts out videos each day. Um, I tried that once, and I couldn't keep up. <laughs> like So I like this kind of weekly longer um, video type of thing. And it might not be the best thing for the algorithm, but I like just having conversations with all of you. And I love that it's live and that we're able to interact. So there's always different ways of approaching this, um, this work. And, you know, he has a great, a great approach. And, and I hope that you're enjoying the things that we do here as well. Uh, Rachel says, Spencer, I first came across your work through a discussion with Achuta on his channel. You clearly hold each other in great esteem. Friday is in the diary. All right. Good, Rachel. Yes, I, I owe... I owe Chita a lot uh, as far as um, you know, starting my astrological practice and and learning about um, Hellenistic astrology in particular. So again, very honored that he'll be joining me here. Uh, Dimphy is here. Hello, Dimphy from the Netherlands. Nice to see you. Yes, I our internet is is doing okay today. Hopefully, <laughs> it was. I, I had a mini panic attack uh, at about 11 a.m., which was about two hours before the the show was supposed to go down and um, thought about some alternatives and things like that. But I just, I just, I love the quality that we have here with the, the, the lights and the, the nice microphone. And I think it was worth just waiting until I had my good setup instead of trying to scramble to 
go to a coffee shop or something like that. It would have been distracting, and I, I just don't think it would have been um, an ideal situation. Okay, so got some other folks that are uh, singing Achuta's praises, uh, as, as we very well should. Okay, so that is sort of, sort of the business stuff that's going to be coming uh, in the, the coming weeks, days, months, and things of that nature. Uh, so let's, let me, before we dive into your questions, let me just briefly touch on this Mercury retrograde cycle, because there, there was some real learning experiences, you know, that we had this week, me, me in particular, through uh, what could possibly happen during a Mercury retrograde and when the timing may be, might be the most succinct. I think this is something really that is very interesting to me, uh, finding out when some of the challenges of a Mercury retrograde cycle may manifest. So what I'm, what I'm showing you here is the beginning of the Mercury retrograde cycle that started on September the 9th, 2022, uh, at eight degrees of Libra. So this is, when we, this is one moment that is called a moment of phasis. So Robert Schmidt called this, these moments, phasis moments, where a planet was speaking louder, the omen was speaking louder than it might normally. And oftentimes a moment of phasis is, is when a planet is stationing direct, stationing retrograde, uh, going into the heart of the sun. Like anytime it's kind of changing direction, that's, that's a, something where the planet might be speaking quite a bit louder. So everything that we might be experiencing through this retrograde cycle, um, maybe we can trace back to the September the 9th day. And uh, it's, it's, it slows down, like Mercury slows down in the retrograde cycle. So Mercury is asking us on some level to slow down, to reflect. Uh, there's some other work, I believe, from Dane Rudyard uh, that talks about the different cycles of Mercury and related to Prometheus or, or Epimetheus, Prometheus being related to foresight, maybe when Mercury was direct, and then Epimetheus was his brother who was related to hindsight. And it, there's, they talk about this retrograde cycle as, as potentially more of an Epimethean cycle where we're kind of looking back and we're reviewing what happened in our life to gain wisdom. And of course, we, we have a few different points in the retrograde cycle that are important. So this is one moment of phasis when, when Mercury stations retrograde. The next one is when the planet goes under the beams of the sun. And that's what we experienced on Thursday. This is called the evening set. Okay, so this is when Mercury has moved within 15 degrees of the sun. So what that means is that Mercury is not visible anymore at night. Right now, because Mercury is rising after the sun, it is said to be an evening star. And they call it the evening star because if we were to move this chart all the way over to the western um, horizon here, basically, okay, we would be able to see Mercury literally in the sky after the sun had set. Okay, so there is when Mercury becomes within 15 degrees of distance between the sun and itself, it's, it's in kind of the glow of the sun and we can't really see it anymore. So ancient people, ancient astrologers, ancient mythographers thought of this as a point in time where Hermes, the god, the god that went between worlds, was entering either the underworld or visiting Olympus. 
Now, I had a nice conversation with a, a, who I consider the, one of the experts on Hermes, uh, Gary Caton. And I asked him, what, what phase is happening when Mercury is going under the beams of the sun retrograde? When is he entering the underworld? So he was like, okay, when Hermes is going under the beams and re- in the retrograde cycle, that's Hermes entering the underworld. The psychopomp Hermes, who was the guide of souls uh, to the underworld, the guide of the dead, as transitioning the living to the afterlife. And then, you know, maybe the, the direct conjunction is Hermes visiting Olympus. So I, I thought that made a lot of sense. Um, he, there also could be some arguments that when Mercury is at its greatest elongation, that could be, you know, Hermes visiting the gods. So your, your mileage may vary, but I do think that this is very important, that when Mercury is both retrograde and under the beams of the sun or invisible, it's, that is its psychopomp phase, its, its thonic phase where it is underneath the earth or underneath the, into the underworld. And if you are someone who does ritual practice to the planets, such as myself, um, you, you would be, uh, you would benefit by sh- switching the Orphic hymn that you would say to Hermes during this period of time. When Hermes is in the underworld, you would say the, the, the thonic hymn to Hermes, the terrestrial Hermes, okay? Uh, so that's, that's, that's a little um, adjustment that you can make to, to please Hermes around this period of time. It also just may be a, a point in time where we're feeling more reflective, where we may be searching within for answers rather than without, where things are gestating, where we're going back and trying to find wisdom through reviewing our past, um, through finding uh, self-sufficiency rather than relying on others on some level. Um, a lot of the times the answers that we have are within us, and we need to just trust our own intuition. And I think this is a great period of time for that. Now, this day, September the 15th, is called the evening set. We have multiple phases of a, of a retrograde Mercury. We have the station retrograde, right? We have the Kazemi moment, which is when it's in the heart of the sun, when, the, when Mercury is conjoining the sun. I'll show you that in a second. We have the evening set here, which is when the Mercury is no longer visible in the evening, okay? We, will, we also have a phase where Mercury is doing its uh, heliacal rising. So when Mercury passes over the sun and, and then becomes a morning star and becomes visible, that's called the heliacal rising. When Mercury is starting to kind of shift direction back, even though it's direct and come closer to the sun, there will be a time it'll go under the beams for the superior conjunction when it's direct, and that's called the, the morning set. So that's when you can't see Hermes in the morning anymore. So these, these concepts are really um, illuminated in Demetra George's Ancient Astrology and Theory and Practice, Volume 1. Okay, when they talk about planetary conditions, solar phases, and things like that. So I would recommend picking that book up. We're going to be talking about Volume 2, which goes a little bit more into depth into the houses and how to delineate the meaning of a planet in a house versus just the condition of the planet, which the first volume talks about, which is equally important. But I think that, uh, you know, since the zeitgeist right now is that book just came out, I was going to start with that because I think a lot of people have already read volume one. And honestly, if you haven't read volume one, it's okay. You'll still get benefit from reading volume two. All right. So hopefully that makes sense as far as uh, what is happening with Hermes and uh, Mercury's phases during the retrograde here. 
so when Hermes is going under the beams, it's a real weak point for, for the planet. And I, I didn't, I honestly didn't really think about this when I scheduled my Q and a, I was like, Oh, it's at a moment of phosphorus. That's, that's a powerful time for Hermes, but it was a powerful time for it to, to be weakened. <laughs> so the internet goes out for a few hours as it's, as it's like, think about it like this. Hermes was entering the underworld and he got hung up at like TSA or something. <laughs> he got hung up by security. It was like, all right, where's your credential? Where's your caduceus? You know, where's your all access pass? Like he forgot his caduceus up above ground or something like that. They had to be detained for a little while. Um, so I thought that was really, you know, funny, instructive, interesting. Um, and, you know, so, so be careful of what you schedule around those periods of time. All right. So when we have now, we can see Hermes is, you know, getting closer to the sun. We will eventually during this cycle see a Kazemi as the, um, as we have a conjunction between the sun and Mercury. So this is that point where it's in the heart of the sun. You can see it right here. It's happening at zero degrees of Libra, right at the fall equinox, which is really fascinating to me because those are really powerful um, times of year that kind of set the tone for the rest of the season. And having a Mercury Kazemi there in the first decade of Libra, I think is a really interesting omen. Um, I think it's something where we're going to really have to, we're going to have a really in powerful download of ideas, especially as it relates to uh, partnership, equality, things that are fair, an awareness of imbalances, I think, is very important. You were asking me about earlier in the in the in the show here. What does it mean when we have Mercury moving through two separate signs? Well, first we have to understand, you know, it's retrograde through Libra, and in the first decade of Libra, we've got this two of swords kind of energy where that's the decade where we're entering the underworld. We're entering um, the domain, the Egyptian domain of Mat. And we're getting our heart weighed against the, the the weight of a feather. So there's judgments that happen in that decan. You know, Virgo is about the preparation phase. It's about preserving what it needs to be preserved and sending it off into the next as, as a legacy for the next generation. Whereas, and then discarding the 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 husk or the body that needs to be returned to the earth. Whereas when we get to Libra season, now we're saying, okay, let's judge the work. Let's judge how how we did. So in this case, we're probably reviewing our judgment. Maybe we made a judgment too quickly and we have to review what is fair, what is balanced. We have to review our work and we may have to go back into the third decan of, of Virgo. Okay, as you can see here, I'll show you. This is gonna happen on the 23rd we're going to see mercury kazemi in the morning the day that i'm talking with achuta which is fun that's fun that we'll be talking on a mercury kazemi and then mercury is going to be heading in a, in a matter of hours back into virgo okay back into third decan of virgo so to, to bring about balance hermes might need to review the material process that we've been going through so that last decan of Virgo is the 10 of pentacles. It's syncretized with the 10 of pentacles in the Rider Waite Tarot. And that, that decan is all about the end of a material process. Like, what are you going to pass on as a legacy for the next generation? What needs to be discarded? It, there is 
questions of entropy in that Deccan. So entropy being like the dissolving of order, like the, the, like the, instead of things being held together, it's the breaking apart of structure and atoms. So a lot of the times what, of, of, at the end of Virgo, we're trying to keep things together that we want to preserve and allow the rest of it to, to scatter, right? Like this is like you're, you're preserving something for the winter and you're returning the things that are, are obviously decayed or decaying or, or flawed back to the earth. And, and it's, a, it's a very interesting process. We may be going back and reviewing the things that we were trying to preserve on some level. There may be some review process that happens. So eventually, in, in this Gazemi cycle, um, after Mercury has retrograded back into the third decan of Virgo, we're going to see Mercury turn direct on October the 2nd at 24 degrees of Virgo, right? We'll have Venus already transitioned into Libra, um, helping out the sun here because the sun is not super happy. It's said to be in its fall in Libra, so a difficult place for the sun, but, but it should start to help out a little bit when Venus is here. We had a really interesting condition where Venus and Mercury were exchanging domiciles or exchanging uh, signs. Uh, it, it's called mutual reception. Even though they weren't able to witness one another, there was some kind of secret communication between them. Um, I also you know, wanted to point out that Remco, one of my friends from the Netherlands, was um, he also he he was the one that really kind of like uh, reminded me of the of the um, the evening set of Mercury on the day we were trying to do this Q&A the first time. And uh, he was also talking about, I believe, um, oh man, what else was he alerting me to? Uh, oh, yes, that's it. The Antitia potentially that was going on between Mercury and Neptune earlier in this process. So if we go back, we have a relationship between uh, Mercury, let's see, go back a little bit here, right about here, I would say, Mercury at about six degrees. This is today, actually, that we're, we're experiencing this, is the Antitia between Mercury and Neptune. Um, Antitia is, is an is a interesting concept where we see two signs that have um, equal daylight on either side of the, I believe, the equinox and the solstice. So with Antitia, we've got uh, the, this is how you figure it out. You, you look at where the, the two signs that, are in, that usually have an Antitia relationship, and then you have to add up their degrees to 30. So when a, the sun, it's all based on the sun. When the sun is at six degrees of Libra, it has the same amount of light as when the sun is at roughly 24 degrees of Pisces, okay, on either side of that, I believe, on, of the winter solstice there, okay? So that's, that's, that's a secret relationship, a secret conjunction between them. So today we've got kind of this secret relationship between Mercury and Neptune. So, you know, maybe, maybe our thoughts are moving more towards the transcendent, more towards the spiritual. Maybe uh, we are dissolving, which is a quality of Neptune, into kind of uh, oneness on some level. I got some some blowback because I I tend to be a little negative with with Neptune. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Neptune transits, and part of it is because I have uh, a lot of planets in Virgo, and Neptune's been going through Pisces for quite some time, and by opposition, 
So I'm whenever Neptune is contacting one of my personal planets, it just feels like the life is draining out of me. Now, that doesn't necessarily have to be experienced as a bad thing. Um, Neptune can drain you of physical energy so that you have a more spiritual experience of something. Um, just because you have a Neptune placement in your chart that's prominent doesn't mean that you can't ever get anything done. Um, it means that you may just have to marshal your energy in some regard. And every, like I said, everyone's going to experience it differently based on where their particular planets are in the chart. But the, the, the way I think about Neptune is based on a lecture I heard by Robert Schmidt, where he talks about Neptune as a transcendental moon and also as Uranus as a transcendental sun. He, he, he compares Pluto to a transcendental Mercury. Now, what he means by that is that Uranus is sort of like a universal point of consciousness, a universal aspiration, whereas Neptune might represent a universal uh, substance, a universal emotional energy. Uh, in Hermetic philosophy, they talk about the one mind and the one thing and the combination of them basically bringing things into being. So if we have Neptune, Neptune may be returning us to the one thing, the one substance. It is, in, in, in Schmidt's estimation, is the absence of like a point of consciousness where we're, we're going back into the oceanic sea of oneness where we're not necessarily differentiated. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just, if you are, you know, let's say you have a, a, an ego attachment to your mind. It may feel scary when you're doing that, when your mind doesn't work anymore, when your mind is like going into the universal consciousness. Now, other people will argue, well, that's when I feel most at peace and you might be right. So the other thing that we're experiencing today is an, an opposition between the sun and Neptune, contact with that, where we're both trying to pass on a legacy, but also are maybe feeling the kind of energy, sometimes maybe a, a physical power outage of Neptune on some level. So I wanted to, do, to address that as well. And I'm looking through the chat here, seeing all of your wonderful comments. Let me see what I've got. Um, all right. Thank you for the compliments, friends. I appreciate you. Uh, Big Steph is saying, I like Mercury retrograde. Time to take your foot off the accelerator and regroup and reconsider. Yes, absolutely. Um, after... I was not able to do, go live on Thursday. I actually just spent a lot of time with, with these books from Demetra, kind of just going through and reviewing some things from the first volume. And it was nice. It was nice to slow down and, and just be in my own space and find some knowledge with that. And there's, there's, there's value in that. There's value in kind of retracing our steps. So I agree. Uh, Anna is here. Anna Vala. Uh, greetings. Uh, <laughs> that's, that looks like... Uh, Jean Doter, is that another? Uh, is that another Dutch name? It also looks like it could potentially be Icelandic. <laughs> I don't know though. I don't know. It's a very cool name though, Anna. Um, Ali says this is my understanding as well. Mercury retrograde under the beams, thonic psychopomp Hermes. Good. So so we're getting we we have some kind of. Um, uh, agreement on that, which I think is nice. It's nice when we, we see uh, things in the collective that we experience universally on that level. So yeah, I think it's a really, I think it's a really beautiful image for what, what Hermes is trying to do. Raven says, this is a powerful time for trickery. Yes, Hermes played quite a trick on me on Thursday. Uh, Ali says, using that all access pass, aka 
he's not home right now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Although I will say, I today I'm I'm wearing some materia that we made from Mercury in the third decan of Virgo that was finally had gestated enough. My partner makes these, um, you know, uh, planetary infused oils, and uh, she did a, a ritual one for Mercury in the third decan of Virgo, and and I'm just soaking in and marinating in it today. So hopefully it's helping my communication skills a little bit. And I think eventually that will be available for the public as well. She's just um, getting some stuff ready to put out there into the world. You can find uh, Tanya's materia at thirdcoastmojo.com. You know, she also has an Etsy store with, uh, she's got some Venus stuff up there right now, which is really good, really good stuff. Uh, Jupiter is coming soon. And of course, this Mercury, um, this Mercury election with these fabulous oils. All right. Um, Rachel is asking, does it remain as weak all the while it is under the beams? That's a great question, Rachel. Uh, it does, uh, with one exception. So it, it's, I do believe that there are different levels of weakness as it gets closer to the sun. Um, the medieval astrologers sort of differentiated between being under the beams and being combust. I, there's some ancient astrologers that say like when it's within seven or eight degrees, it's combust. It's only under the beams when it's, you know, within that 15 degree, um, you know, distance. There are different astrologers that are going to argue about the different, um, the different degree ratios. So just try not to get too focused on that. Find what works for you and then use it consistently. And just so you're going to use that with your own experience. Uh, the, the exception that we're talking about, Rachel, is that when it gets into the heart of the sun, I showed you that when it was at zero degrees of Libra, it is renewed in that furnace of the sun, and it is supposed to be like extra powerful, actually. So that's when we might get some downloads of information, where where Hermes is speaking very loud. We're we're getting the 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 awareness and clarity of the sun infused into the mind, infused into our ability to communicate. So take notes when that Kazemi is happening. Uh, and that's going to be the 23rd of, of September, which, like I said, that's when Achuta is going to be joining us. So that I hope that we'll be able to communicate some really interesting insights on that day in particular. And then when it's rising from its sickbed, it, it's probably starting to gain strength once again. And then it's going to be, you know, uh, becoming healthy once again when it makes its, its heliacal rising. And we can see that the heliacal rising, I'll just show you that real quick too. So you can see here it is coming into the conjunction. Okay, there's the Kazemi moment. And now it's rising from its sick bed. Okay. And then once we get to this, this direct station at 24 degrees, it's roughly about 15 degrees of separation at the direct station. So it's going to be turning direct. It's going to be uh, becoming visible. This time, October 2nd, will be a really powerful point of phosis, another phosis moment, an omen that we'll be speaking. So Mercury is going to pay attention to what happens. All of the things that you made, the downloads you may have received during the Kazemi moment and Mer Mercury or Hermes journey through the underworld, they'll start become visible at this period of time. All right. Okay. So let's see. See, Sarah Renee is here. Welcome, Sarah. Says, looking forward to you and Achuta, my teacher, too. Yeah, we have a lot of crossover in our audiences. Um, you know, full disclosure, his audience, whenever I bring him on the show, my, 
man, I get a huge boost in viewership because he has a huge viewership. And it's really nice to see um, some folks that are supporters of him coming over and kind of uh, getting a, a little idea of what, what we do over here too. It's a little bit different. It's not exactly the same, but there's enough, there's enough overlap that I think that there's something for that audience here that, that may be a little bit different. And, and there's something for our audience with him that may be a little different too. So um, it's always good to get an, another perspective. That's why I like bringing people on the show. Uh, Raven says, Neptune has been on top of my Saturn and opposing my Mars, and it has been really draining. Yeah, that, that's been my experience of Neptune. It's, it is a drain, a physical drain. Now, what happens when we have a physical drain? It may require us to have more of a spiritual consciousness. So don't take offense if you, have like a, if you identify with a strong Neptune placement. Um, it just may mean that there may be times in your life that you really have had to, to spiritualize or transcend some of the physical to, to get things done. It, you still have a body. You still have a will. You still are able to do things in the physical world. They may just be colored by that, that Neptunian lens on some level. And you may have to just pace yourself. Uh, Ali says, I feel like Saturn comes into play a bit more when the sun enters Libra. Saturn comes into play. Since it is in conjunct the domicile ruler, the exalted planet comes into play, Saturn trying the sun by sign. Okay, so let's, let's unpack that statement. There's a lot going on there. Uh, all right, and Anna is saying, Icelandic, yay, I did. I recognized an Icelandic name, fun. It just reminded me of uh, your most favorite, or your most famous musician, Björk. Uh, who is, uh, <laughs> I don't even know if I said it even remotely correctly, Björk. Uh, I don't know if I need to roll my R's a little better, but um, Gudmundsdatter, I think that's how you say her last name. Uh, just, I, I really enjoy Icelandic musicians, Björk, and Sigurros Sigur is another of my favorites. Um, so a beautiful, beautiful uh, artist that come from that area. So back to Ali's comment. So Ali is pointing out that Saturn might become more prevalent in the conversation potentially. Um, so since it is in conjunct the domicile ruler, okay, the exalted planet comes into play, Saturn trying. So I, I'm, I'm assuming, Ali, that this means that you're talking about the first point when the sun moves into Libra, correct me if I'm wrong. Remember, I have about a 20-second delay on this video. Um, so, yes, the domicile ruler is in conjunct. This is a good point. Okay, now I think I get where you're going with this, Ali. So when we first have the sun moving into Libra, it will not be able to witness, uh, and it, Hellenistic astrologers call this an aversion. Modern astrologers call it in conjunct, um, where it's not able to witness the planet. So you can see that Venus is not able to witness the sun or Mercury, okay, when it is in, when it moves into Libra, although we still will have the mutual reception between Mercury and Venus for a very short period of time, maybe like a day, okay. And what Ali is, I think, referring to is there is a concept that we've talked about a lot on this show that I learned from Martine Hermes, who was a guest on Achuta's channel. Uh, nightlight astrology where the exaltation lord takes over as for for in 
takes responsibility for providing resources when the domicile lord is not being able to witness. So here we have a trine from Saturn, say, you know, saying, hey, we're going to give you material to work with rather than Venus right now. And we have to wait for Venus to come back home before she is able to provide resources. So these first few days of Libra, okay, and we'll just even look at it here. You know, Venus is going to move into uh, Libra right here in about the 29th. So between the 22nd and the 29th, it may, the, the Libra energy may have a more of a Saturnian feel to it because we're going to have to be dealing with the energy of the collective, figuring out what is good for the whole, what are the, the blueprints. And then Venus comes back to, to, to harmonize and bring some fairness and justice to the table. So that, I think that that's something to keep an eye on. But remember, and I keep harping on this with my Libra clients and Libra, you know, divinatory uh, insights. Libra is not just automatically balanced. When we, when we get to the beginning of Libra, we may have a, a, an awareness of imbalance. Uh, remember, the first decan of Libra has a 36 heirs of the zodiac spirit or, or daimon called the Uranese. And they were, they were these monsters that punished crimes that went un, um, un like, what's the word? Well, they, they created justice for crimes that had gone unpunished. So people would pray to the Uranese to like bring justice to these situations that like the legal system hadn't, you know, taken care of. So we may be really aware of some imbalances, some injustices, and then it's our job or the job of coming into alignment with what is fair, what is balanced to, to, to make the scales even once again. And that takes work. That takes compromise. That's really one of the things that takes seeing someone else's perspective. We may become aware of someone else's perspective in the first decan of Libra and then have to do the hard work of bringing it into balance in the second decan and then maintaining the balance maintenance mode in the third decan. So it's work and it's compromise and all of those things may require maturity as Ali is, is very well pointing out in the, in the chat here. So I hope that that, uh, Ali, I hope that that um, is what you were going towards with the comment. It's a good, good comment. Um, and it's, an, it's a nice concept, kind of looking at the exaltation Lord when the domicile Lord is in aversion, okay, which is a, is a quality where, let's say this, the sun is what we're going to be looking at. An aversion is when a, pl a planet is on either side of a conjunction or an opposition. So these two places are blind spots, okay? This, this house right here, this house right here, okay? Taurus and Pisces are all, all a blind spot where the sun and Venus can't witness those places. And that makes it very difficult sometimes if, if, if it's domicile Lord is in one of those places to get what it needs. And this may be true in your natal charts too. Um, I have this quality in a lot for a few of my signs where, uh, you know, my, my, my natal, uh, let's see, my natal moon is in its own exaltation, but it does not witness Venus. So that's always been a confusing thing for me because, and I'll, I'll just, I'll show you real quick if you want to see what, an example of this in action. So you can see I have the moon at 15 degrees Taurus on the midheaven in the 10th house and its Lord Venus is in the 11th at 16 degrees of Gemini. Now normally let's say that the exaltation Lord was mm, I don't know 
let's say it was Jupiter. It's not in this case, okay? It's actually the moon. But let's, let's pretend it's Jupiter. Because the planet was not witnessed by its domicile lord, it would have to ask the exaltation lord for help. In this case, this is why this is a little bit confusing to me, is the moon is in its own exaltation. So it's kind of like the moon is just able to kind of do its own thing. It doesn't really need as much help from the domicile lord because it's in, in a very exalted, honored position. So I think that the moon is still functional in my own particular chart. It's just it, it is not necessarily witnessing its domicile lord. It gets its resources in a slightly different manner than it would normally mostly through doing its own thing, through uh, nurturing, through creating community, through creating, through collecting light and reflecting it back out, uh, instead of maybe the, doing more of this Venus stuff where Venus is kind of on its own in the 11th house, in its own terms, by the way. So uh, one little, little way that I'm able to um, go about my business is that I've often been someone who sets the curriculum for a group. I was a, a teacher at a community college at, and I was I taught group classes for guitar for many years and songwriting. And I was the one who created the curriculum and I'm doing the same thing with this guided group study. I set, I set the agenda for the group. And even in informal settings, like people often come to me to set an agenda because my brain tends to organize things in, in hopefully practical ways. And that, that's really true for Venus. I kind of set my own schedule for my work. I set my own ideas for what I want to do moving forward with my astrological practice. And I've had to kind of defend that too. Like I, there's times where I could have gotten involved with somebody else's agenda. And as I've gotten older, I've said, you know, I don't really want to do someone else's agenda. I, I want to do my own agenda. And, and it, 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 that makes me feel good. That makes me feel free. Um, freedom is really important to me. So I feel more motivated when I feel that freedom. So I hope that that's an, an interesting example um, of, of, you know, what Ali was pointing out as far as in a planet that is taking over um, with its exaltation lord rather than its domicile lord. All right, I'm going to keep looking through the chat here. Keep putting your questions in here. I know we had some other questions that were previously, and I'm going to get to those in a second. I'm just kind of looking through here. Um, Rachel says, oh, Unity is here. Hello, Unity. Nice to see you. Um, Rachel says, thanks, Spencer. The zero degree Kazemi sounds extra interesting. Direct station right on my natal Saturn. Ooh, that should be fun. Well, hopefully Saturn's in a good house for you. Um, and then you might experience that more positively. Um, Big Stuff 63 says, if we think of Neptune as dropping the veil and dissolving things out of sight, all we can do is ride it out and hope for clarity in hindsight. Uh, right. Yeah, exactly. Yes. That's, I think there is a surrender quality to Neptune. And I think that if we are getting too attached to, um, ego when it comes to Neptune placements, that, that is where we may really have a difficult time because I think Neptune requires surrender. It requires dissolving of ego and surrendering to kind of more, more of a collective consciousness. Um, and, and, you know, oftentimes that can, we can experience that as fatigue, right? Because oftentimes our ego wants to be able to have an energized, you know, body doing all of these things. And I, I just, that's just been my personal experience. And you, you may have, your, your mileage may vary. And it's okay if it does. Like, it's okay to have a different perspective on a planet. 
Uh, D says, Neptune is right on top of my Venus currently. Not sure about this upcoming sun opposition, but at least it is quick. Yeah, so um, I think, again, when you have something on top of a personal planet, look at the house that it's happening in, because that may be the topic that you're going to experience this through. And also look at 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 the topics that that planet is responsible for. So like, for example, um, Neptune is on top of D's Venus, okay? So let's just pretend for a moment, and this is not true, but this is, let's, unless you want me to share your chart, D, but uh, let's pretend that that D's Venus was in um, the fourth house, okay? right here and neptune was on top of it and it's in pisces so what we have to do is we have to look at these sagittarius house to see the other area of life that that is going to be affecting okay so there's going to be a connection between in this in this chart the sag rising chart which is not these rising but in this chart if it was happening there he may have some domestic issues that are affecting his sense of self, right? That are affecting also his body, the way that he identifies, the way he projects out into the world. And there may be some kind of surrender that's happening in the domestic sphere that changes the, the, the personality, that changes the body, that changes the way that we, um, you know, the sense of self. So you always have to connect those two things. Like that, that could be one area to look at, um, you know, since Jupiter rules both of these. Now, the other thing to think about is, and this is probably more poignant, because I'm thinking about this, Neptune's confusing the details here. You're probably like, wait a second, Venus doesn't rule Sagittarius. (laughs) And you'd be right. Venus rules uh, Libra and Taurus. So also Venus would be affecting, Neptune on Venus would be affecting this, in this chart, the sixth house, and the 11th house. So there'd be topics coming in uh, with maybe the sixth house of injury and illness and the 11th house of groups. So you're always looking at the, the, the houses that the planet is ruling, okay? And, and Venus, in this case, is ruling Libra and Taurus. Um, I do think that, there, that we do still feel the, the connection of the two Jupiter-ruled houses. I mean, I think that that's still legitimate. That wasn't the point I was trying to make, but you will still feel connection between these houses that are, I guess they call it uh, like ingirding in the Hellenistic uh, nomenclature. So there is a relationship between those and you'll feel that energy. Okay, Raven says, yes to spiritual stuff. All I've been wanting to do is yoga and listen to astrology and tarot podcasts. There you go. <laughs> You're having a Neptune transit, <laughs> sun, sun up. We are, we're all having a Neptune transit right now, sun opposite Neptune. So I guess we have to be clear about the details today because that's another thing that Neptune can do is, especially in Pisces, is going to fudge the details a little bit. So we have to double check, right? So I'm glad I double checked there. Um, Rachel says, I empathize with Neptune oppositions. Uh, Thumbs up from Anna. Uh, Allie says, I was looking at the first few days of Libra. Yeah, so good point, Allie. So I think we got, we we really dissected those first couple days and Saturn's influence more in, more so Saturn's influence until Venus is going to be moving into Libra. Uh, do got to do, 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 do. Um, 
Manuela is here today, Place of Stillness Astrology. Hello from Spain, checking in late. Nice to see you, Manuela. Hope that you're settling in well in your new country, um, moving across Europe. And check out Manuela's um, YouTube channel, Place of Stillness Astrology. She's got some cool stuff up there and is starting to kind of come out of the astro, I don't know, come out from under the beams a little bit and do, do more stuff. She has a really unique perspective on things and is an intelligent uh, person, uh, very reflective as well. Good space holder. Um, Allie saying, I was looking at today's chart in Stellarium and noticed the moon is very close to El Nath, the, the bull's left horn. I was wondering if you have any thoughts or insights on the fixed star El Nath. Yeah, so we've got the, the, um, the clock, the current clock. So here is the moon at about 23 degrees of Gemini right now. And I will say, the last 10 degrees of Gemini have about a million fixed stars <laughs> in them that have astrological significance. You've got El Nath, you've got uh, a bunch of stars in, in Orion's belt, El Nilum, um, you have Bellatrix, uh, you have, what else is in that, those last degrees? Um, there's another one that is on the shoulders of Orion. You got Bellatrix on one side. What's the one on the other side? Well, the, it's escaping me right now, the, the name of that fixed star. Uh, Beetlejuice, there it is, there it is. I knew it would come to me eventually. So all of those are in this, this decan here, this last degrees. Elnath in particular, um, we can dissect some meaning from Elnath because of its uh, relationship to Taurus but also because of its relationship to the horn of the bull. So that is a point of the horn. So, you know, people thought of Elnath as being related to injuries, illnesses, you know, you could think of maybe being gored with something on some level, maybe you're gored with your own thoughts. Um, I think that it, it, it brings out some aggressive tendencies as well. So you have to be careful of getting into maybe um, intellectual sparring or arguments as well. There were some, some traditional uh, thoughts about illnesses, injuries. Now, I've got a really good book here called The Little Book of Fixed Stars by Elizabeth Hazel that I like. And if we look at Elnath, I'll just say, tell you what she said about it. So we have Elnath at 22 degrees, 51 minutes of Gemini. Uh, this is the beta star of Taurus. It has a magnitude of 1.6. Remember, magnitudes that are lower in number are actually brighter, so they will have more, more power if the number is lower. It is the, of the nature of Mars, so again, injuries, Ill, illnesses, accidents. Um, Alnath was called the budding one, shared star, tip of the northern horn of the bull, also Ariga's left foot, associated with the Hindu, Hindu fire god Agni and Hutabhaj. I don't know how to pronounce that, H-U-T-A-B-B-H-U-J, uh, the devourer of the sacrifice. Um, so then this, uh, this divination, they talk about fortune and high status, neutral party, interest in religion or sciences, problems with partners, wounds, accidents, foot injuries, close to the galactic anti-center. That's interesting. Um, the other author, uh, whose name is Michael... Munkasi says it encourages development of social conscience and is likely to be rebellious and outspoken. Okay. 
The other book that I like to use for fixed star work is this one right here, Star Planet Combinations by Bernadette Brady. And if we talk about Elnath in relationship to the moon, this, this talks about every planet that is connecting with it, which I find very useful. So Elnath is the horn of Taurus. It's a, it's a weapon, right? Uh, discovering one's inner resolve under pressure, assertiveness in lifestyle. They talk about when it's conjoined with the moon, a fighter or one who knows the cruelty of life to suffer at the hands of others, to be drawn to aggressive individuals. A group suffer from, from, suffers from the cruelty of others. So Winston Churchill had this, this in his chart, um, known for his ability to rouse the people to, to fight. Uh, so confrontational attitudes maybe potentially. So something to consider. Um, so Ali says, the reason Elnath popped out to me is because the moon is on Elnath and longitudinally and latitudinally. Oh, that's nice. So, so maybe we just have to be real careful about our, our communication style today and not be overly confrontational. That we have to kind of, you know, make sure that our, we aren't using our words as weapons, that we're not using our thoughts as weapons. One thing that I think a lot about with Gemini is oftentimes we'll, we will turn our minds against ourselves. And the third decade of, of Gemini, and the other thing to consider today is that we have a last quarter moon. So there's a square happening between the sun and the moon where there is a change of heart happening. There is an existential crisis of some sort. And the third decade of Gemini says, hey, you've got too many thoughts. You can't keep all of those thoughts in your mind or you will have a breakdown. That's the, that's the, the Deccan that's associated with the third, um, with the Ten of Swords, right? So here is, you see the figure that is like defeated in ruin uh, and where you have to give up some of the thoughts to be able to breathe life into what comes next. This is the, the, the interesting um, linear way of thinking about the end of Gemini and the beginning of Cancer. So by giving up some of our imagined pathways, we are allowing ourselves to choose to breathe life and to nurture something that is most important to us. And we see that happening in the Two of Cups here, where we are having union of body and mind, where we're saying, okay, we've, we've let go of some of the things that were distractions. We've let go of the imagined pathways, and we've chosen a life. We, as, as the myth of Ur talks about, we've chosen a lot We've discarded the other ones and we say, this is the life we're going to choose. This is what we're going to choose to breathe life and nurture. And when we do that, that, that brings a lot of peace. That brings the, the dawn after the, the, the dark night of the soul. Because oftentimes our, when we turn our minds against ourselves, and this is happening with Mars and Gemini, we're probably having all sorts of existential crises trying to keep uh, so many thoughts alive. I think of this too, like, just a personal anecdote. Um, I started playing fantasy football with a group of people. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, for, for those of you who don't know, I have a, there was an, I was also recently a guest on a Chutis channel starting an uh, astrology of sports podcast. I'm joining him and my other good friend, Kip, uh, it, it doing um, the astrology of sports. We started off with football. And in addition to this, we are practicing the, the age-old, um, you know, 
masculine fall tradition of fantasy football. And <laughs> for someone with an analytical brain like me, and I think that, you know, it, it, it's really, it's actually, I'm having a lot of fun doing it. I think it, it's really nice to be able to sort of quote unquote, bro out a little bit. I think a lot of times in these astrological spaces, we are getting in touch with our sensitivity and holding space. And, you know, there is a, a, a part of me that really just enjoys sports, that just enjoys um, the, the, the gladiators butting heads like Al Nath <laughs> and, and analyzing the statistical analysis of it. That was something I did a lot as a kid. I really loved sports. Sports was something that I uh, was consistent in my youth. I, I really bonded with my grandparents and my family over it. And it was something where, you know, it was cross-generational, like the Green Bay Packers was a, a, a team that my grandparents loved to watch on the weekends. And we'd just sit there and, and bond over uh, the shared energy that we were putting towards that. And I've carried that with me into my adulthood. But what my point about that, my roundabout way of saying is that fantasy football has activated my brain to, to be very active. Like you have to like analyze all sorts of things to, to decide which players to draft, which players are going to be injured, which ones you should play this week, whether they're at home or away, whether it's raining, whether the player is going to succeed against a certain defense or not. And it's a lot of choices that you have to make. And I felt really overwhelmed the first week doing this, trying to make all these decisions. And I was like, wow, that was, that's, this is very much, you know, Mars, you know, really like having all these little micro decisions and possibilities. And I just had to chuckle at it and it's all in good fun. There's no, there's no money involved or anything. We're just doing it for fun. And, and it's just nice to like be able to do something that's not so serious. Um, that is a nice counterbalance to some of the very serious work that, that we do as astrologers, where oftentimes people are bringing us the darkest, most difficult issues that they have in their life. And we have to hold space and try to find solution for that. And that can be really, um, as a sensitive, empathic person, it can be really heavy. And just having something that many people consider frivolous, including myself on some level, uh, is it's just nice to to have lower stakes. Does that make sense? Like having something where you can put some brain power to something that's not life and death, that isn't like someone's hardest, most difficult thing, and and just enjoy it for what it is. So I think that that's something that I hope that you all are finding in your life, um, without overwhelming yourself or, or getting too overwhelmed with all the details involved in it. Okay. So uh, Manuela says, the first time I heard of fantasy football, I imagined my friend running around the court dressed as hobbits and dwarves. <laughs> That's funny. You know, it's not, the, it's, it's not too far-fetched. I mean, we dress up in the uniforms of, of the teams that we like sometimes when we watch these things, if we're really serious about it and we're eating good food and like nachos and wings and things like that it's, it's not much different than what i imagine a dwarf or a hobbit might might do when they really enjoy something so <laughs> i like that imagery and i know how silly it is it's 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 definitely something that i i i enjoy putting energy into but i know it's not life and death although when i was younger i used to put a lot more of my 
um, emotional ego into whether my team had won or lost, uh, I would be really depressed for a few days if the Packers didn't win that week. And I'd be really flying high if they did. And I've learned as an adult that that's not super healthy. And as what fantasy football does is it actually allows you to have a, an emotional investment or an, a little bit more objectivity when it comes to the other teams. You know, now I actually can root for some people on the other teams instead of just only being so narrowly focused on the team that is my quote unquote kin. And I think that there's some wisdom that comes out of that as well. Big Steph 63 says, I have natal Mars at 16 degrees Sagittarius in the ninth house. Been walking that line of needing to know all the details of this historical time and keeping myself in a witness or observer role. Yes, having a Mars opposition is probably, there's probably some difficulty for sure where you, you want to see the big picture. You, you're usually trying to unify all of these details. And, and Merc, what Mars is doing in Gemini is just splitting our attention in, in a thousand different directions. But it's, I think a part of it is for the purpose of exploration. But eventually that exploration is supposed to give you information to make a choice. So we're preparing for Mars to turn retrograde in the third decade of Gemini, where we might say, this is what we, you know, this is what is important. This is what isn't. I'm going to get rid of this other thing so that I can breathe life into what is important to me. Now, since Mars is going to turn retrograde, you may want to be absolutely sure that what you're discarding is appropriate because I think that it's very easy to misjudge something when Mars is turning retrograde in the third decade of, of Gemini. And it's important not to make an all or nothing ultimatum in that particular decan. It's very easy to, for things to get into high contrast and see things as black and white and make a, a, an idealistic ultimatum that you may ultimately have to back off of, okay? Um, Lisa, Lisa says, I love seeing you enjoy something light and fun. Yes, me too, Lisa. You know, one of the things that I've noticed throughout my exploration with fantasy football is that being someone in his early middle age, I'm 40, 42 years old, and a lot of responsibilities and heavy things start coming to you at this age. Your parents are aging or passing away. In my case, my mom passed away earlier this year. Your, your children, if you had them when you were younger, are, are getting older and leaving the house. My daughter just left for college. There's uh, a lot of responsibilities with taking care of aging parents if they're still around. Um, if you have younger children, you're inundated with responsibilities. If you are a homeowner, you have a lot of responsibilities fixing your home and all of these things. It's not an easy time. We're all working hard and trying to, to support ourselves. It's friendship becomes harder. You start to find a disconnect between the younger generations. I, it's hard for me to talk to my own daughter every once in a while. Um, I'm starting to see the generation gap at 42 and 18. And we start to feel like the younger generations are casting us aside. It's harder to make friends because we're so busy. And just something like a fantasy football league or something like that, it's so nice to be able to reconnect with friends with low stakes. And I hope, again, I hope that I will provide another avenue for that with my guided group study. I hope that, that, that all of you who are like astro, astro nerds like me will, will join me so that we can find some community that that's what's really great about it i think is just having a shared interest and being able to connect cross cross different states cross different continents crosses across the ocean which is so cool that we're able to do that in this 
in this time in history. And what I love about it is getting all of your perspectives too. This is what I'm hoping for that group is that you will be able to shine your light and be seen and to be able to witness others as well and and see how someone else and their perspective might come into play. Because a lot of times as astrologers, what we're doing is we're just off in our own little caves studying. You know, society doesn't really understand us um, for the most part. It's getting a little better, but we're still, it's still a little bit of a weird thing to bring up at like Thanksgiving dinner with your family that might not understand what you're doing. And I hope that just create a safe space for just everybody to be their, 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 their weird astro selves and that we ask a lot of good questions that will help us to see things from a different perspective. That this is the, the, the key with that. Okay. So Lynn, yeah, Lynn is saying um, too many choices in fantasy football. Yeah, Lynn, have you played fantasy football? Because there are, you should have seen me that the day of the draft. I, I actually had a, a, a doctor's appointment that day and the draft went all day because instead of like everybody showing up, we just picked and then you knew your turn was coming via email. So the draft went on for like hours and hours and hours and you'd wait for like three hours for someone to make their pick. And then I'd have some you know player in mind and I actually had got the first pick in the draft. So we did a snaking kind of thing where I'd have to pick last in the, the next round and first in the, in the third round. And I'd have to pick two players that I was like, I'd have, okay, I did. I looked at their charts. I looked at whether they're in a first house perfection year or what's going on with them. And then I'd do all that research and then someone would pick them. <laughs> I'd be like, shit, you, you, all that research would go out the window and you'd, you'd get, you know, it was very stressful. And then trying to do that while I was at the doctor's office was, was crazy. And I was actually having a chat with the, with the tutor in real time. And he was basically helping me make some picks while I was at the doctor. And he, he had some, some doctor's issue stuff too. Where he was like, I think he had like, like LASIK surgery that day. And he's like, I'm, I'm going to be blind today, Spencer. Like, you might have to help me with my picks. I might not be able to read what people are doing. So, so we, were, we were trying to help each other out in that regard. So just, just very, very you know, funny type of things that were happening. Um, so Raven is saying, I love the sports podcast. I do something similar with my partner where we watch UFC fights. Oh, fun. And I do, do predictions based on the fighters, charts, and transits. Raven, you know, keep tuning in because I think we might do a UFC thing. UFC is not something I'm super familiar with. Uh, it is, it's a little, I don't know if I have enough Mars in my chart for that. I, you know, football itself is pretty brutal. I tend to gravitate towards sports that, uh, that where there's, you know, more like team sports, the individual sports I have, I'm, I'm less, I have less uh, connection with, but I, I can appreciate that there's strategy in that. It's just really brutal for me. I think I'm a little, little bit too sensitive for, for just, just wailing on people, <laughs> but, but there is definitely interesting astrological things that have happened, especially like, I, I believe that, that there has been people who have looked at Conor McGregor's chart quite a bit. And he, he had a really interesting um, transit when he, when he lost, I believe he hadn't lost in a long time. And he had a really fascinating, like, I believe it was a Saturn transit that was happening when he lost his first fight. And you may have more, more, um, expertise in that, but, but yeah, there's probably something like that coming, but yes, I think that there's a great way to, on some level, on some level, I do think human beings have a need to express the more barbaric side of their nature. Like, why would we have a Mars? Why would we have some of these planets if 
we didn't need to like let off some steam every once in a while. So I can see that in that regard, there could be some value in that type of experience. Uh, Manuela says, yes, sounds perfect for Taurus moon. Yes. <laughs> Rachel says, you absolutely need that to stay in balance. Straightforward enjoyment. Great hobby for going into the darker days and nights. Yes. Yes, Rachel. Yes. Say it louder. And I wonder for those Europeans out there, if you feel this way about your, your uh, uh, European football teams, your soccer teams, I've seen how crazy some of you can get about f- football with an F-U-B-O-L right? <laughs> like, so, so it's, it's, it's very similar for Americans and American football sometimes, depending in your mileage may vary. I love basketball as well. Um, what some of you may not have known is that I was an athlete growing up. I played baseball, basketball, and hockey. I was a big hockey player. I traveled around playing hockey. Um, and, you know, there was a huge part of my youth participating in group group sports and being part of a team. So it's something that I miss as a, I miss competing as an adult. Uh, and I think this may be some of my Leo rising stuff. Leo's, Leo's like competing. Um, big stuff says Raven. I love the international rugby. Yay. I predict results by the gusto behind the anthems. <laughs> oh, that's great. Oh, that's, I love that. There's so many different ways to divine. Um, you know, it's whatever we're tuning into. You know, one th- the other thing that I'll say about, and I'll, let me stop my share just for a minute here. We'll, we'll keep looking at this. I'll bring the chart back up, but I, maybe we'll see this here. One thing that I love about doing fantasy football is this, this I really am starting to try to look at the charts of the athletes and see what happens with them, especially when it comes to injury, because injury is so important in football. It's a very brutal sport. A lot of these folks get injured, uh, and that really affects their, their performance moving forward. And um, anything can be instructive when it comes to astrology. It could be sports. It could be football. It could be, you know, when you feel like going to the grocery store. Whatever you decide, you're learning something that will help with your astrological practice. So finding some really interesting connections with when people get injured. Like, for example, there was a a defensive player named TJ Watt. He plays for the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's a defensive end slash outside linebacker. Very good defensive player. He tore his pectoral muscle on the first game of the season as uh, the sun was making an exact conjunction with his natal Chiron, which is something I don't use a whole ton, but it makes sense. Chiron was an inju- a wound that was unheal. He had a wound that was unhealable. <laughs> so, there's, so there's a sun Chiron connection when he had a very serious injury. Um, so those are the types of things that we're looking for with, with fantasy football. Um, I have a strategy where I was looking at perfection years of players and I sort of avoided players that were either in sixth or 12th house perfection years where they may not be really in control of whether they get injured or things like that. I was looking for players in 10th and first house perfection years to maybe have better luck in those years. It's that's difficult though, because it's hard to know the condition of the planet that is their time Lord. So that's a little bit shooting in the dark. I had another um, person that reached out to me that does some sports stuff that was looking at the charts of coaches to determine whether the, the um, whether the the the, pl- the team would be um, successful this year or not. I've been kind of comparing the chart of the Super Bowl and the chart of the, the starting time of the game in players' charts, but it's really interesting to see the 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 coaches' charts too because they are the kind of the figurehead for a team. So all sorts of different angles to to approach it from. 
Okay, let's see. Looking through the chat, Uranus opposition for me. Yeah, <laughs> right. yes, I'm going through a Uranus opposition. Big stuff. I don't. Um, in the in the fourth and tenth house, maybe you're referring to someone else. But yes, I'm feeling my Uranus opposition. Um, Ali says big feels on the spiritual energy with Neptune opposition. I've always been getting into Sriyanta, Sriyantra, and Mahavid. Vidyas, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing these right. Very interesting astrological insights there as well. So I'm assuming, Ali, you've gone the very natural pro- progression of, of starting in one form of astrology and maybe like going from perhaps from modern to traditional to the inevitable, inevitable uh, transition into starting to study some Vedic astrology or Jyotisha, which I see a lot of people doing, which we have mantra meditation and things like that. I haven't quite gotten to that phase yet more so because I, I really want to to dive into the Greek before I try to learn a whole new system. But I, I'm finding that people are having some really good insights from, from bringing in um, Vedic and Jyotisha insights as well, partly because I think that that lineage is, is mostly unbroken. Whereas we had to piece together the Hellenistic tradition, the, the Indian tradition, the Eastern Indian tradition is... is uh, you know, intact on some level. So there's some interesting correlations between Hellenistic astrology and the Vedic system as well. So pretty cool stuff, especially for remediation. I think that that's what they excel at uh, quite well is is finding a solution for these afflictions, whether through gem essences or mantra meditation or things like that. And oftentimes we're, we have difficulty. I know that for, for me, like sometimes with traditional astrology, it shows us the afflictions that we have, but it's like, well, what do we do about it? What is what is being asked of us in the chart? Um, okay, let me keep looking at the chart, chat here. Lynn says, yes, I played years ago. Never had great luck with getting the players I wanted. I'll tell you what, Lynn, my biggest problem in the draft was I was way too sentimental. I'm a cancer, you know, cancer son. And I wanted to draft all the Packers. <laughs> and, I, and I had the first pick in the draft and I had the opportunity to draft Justin Jefferson, who is a really good wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, who is the the huge rival of the Packers. And I just couldn't stomach having to root for him every week. So I passed on him and picked some neutral player that was good, but not for a team that I, I you know, had this aversion to. And of course, Achuta picked his hometown, Justin Jefferson. He had a great week against the Packers. I will say our predictions came true. Uh, I begrudgingly saw that the the charts were saying that the Packers were going to lose and agreed with both Kip and Achuta that the Packers were going to lose to the Vikings. And of course it did come true. The Packers got their butts kicked and um, our professional reputations are intact. If my uh, t- testosterone ego <laughs> is not, my, my partner teases me because she's like, oh, you're going to have a low, you know, is your, your testosterone going to be boosted when, you're, <laughs> when your team wins? Or are you going to have a, a testosterone fade when you lose? <laughs> It's all very silly. Okay. Uh, Raven says, I can't remember the fighters, but there was a big fight card on the day of the exact Uranus-Saturn square, and there was a lot of up-and-comers beating the vets. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, see, we can find astrological correlations with any type of sport like this. I, I think it's really, it's really instructive. Raymond says, that was the day my partner started talk, taking astrology <laughs> seriously. So, see, this is what, what I think Chuta and I and Kip are trying to do is, 
he even mentioned that you know 80 to 90 percent of his audience are women and he was making an effort to reach out to some of the the men in his audience to to get them interested and I think that this is a great way to 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 connect astrology with that and show that there's something that interests them that we can do as well and, and you know I think that you know sports is not exclusive to men but I think that there are a lot of men that really like football and, and basketball and rugby and UFC and all those things so um, yeah I think it's a great way to bring new new people that might not uh, be hip to astrology into the fold all right, Lynn says it'll be interesting to see how your strategies play out. And it's, yeah, Lynn, it's all instructive to me at this point. I, I'm taking a, an observational tact to it. I don't expect to be right every week. I don't expect to be, you know, I, I give the disclaimer that this is not betting advice. Like, this is one thing that I think is important. If you're using astrology to, like, you know, gamble, I think sometimes the planets and the spirits are probably like, meh. I'm going to throw you a curveball because maybe that's not the reason <laughs> for these omens. I think you can use it, but I, I try to like stay away from that and use a disclaimer that, hey, my predictions are not, you don't go to Vegas with these things because you know, I can get you in a lot of trouble. So I try to stay out of the gambling game with it. Um, plus, I, I just don't have enough money to, like, to lose with betting. And this is weird because the NFL has started embracing gambling, which it never did. It was a big faux pas in the past. But I think that with all of that, don't, don't bet anything that you can't afford to lose. And in my circumstance, I got too many responsibilities to, to be betting money right now. I just spent a bunch of money fixing my furnace and that, uh, <laughs> that's where that money needs to go. Um, Maria says, a little bit late, down with COVID. Oh, I'm sorry, Maria. I hope you're feeling okay um big hello from belgrade well take care of yourself maria i hope that you're um doing okay and that you're healing up well and taking it easy um you know do you have mercury placements or or maybe even um virgo or gemini or or libra stuff i wonder if that's that is coming into play with your with your illness with mercury quote unquote taking to its, its sick bed uh oh yes steph that was for me thank you steph <laughs> let me go back and see what you're referring to here uh oh yes <laughs> the anthems uh okay yeah oh uranus from oh uranus opposition absolutely yes i'm definitely going through that definitely with my professional and my home life like getting shaken up on some levels ali says there are a lot of ways that traditional hellenistic astrology has more in common with vedic astrology than it does with modern western astrology i agree 100 percent ali I think that that because of that unbroken lineage and because of the the influence that the cultures had to one another remember there was trade routes from from greece and mesopotamia and india and all of those things and culture is not it's not just like one culture that's you know you that, that is isolated sometimes it happens like that but oftentimes these there is this this interaction between them and they're sharing ideas there's a lot of Egyptian mythology and philosophy in ancient Greek philosophy and astrology. And there's a lot of uh, Greek in the Indian uh, system. Uh, there's a guy named Kenneth Miller that has a really great talk. I believe that he, he, he called it, there's a little bit of feta in my curry. And he talked exactly about this, about the transmission of culture between different, um, different places in the world. All right, I'm taking a look at the chat here. 
Big Steph says, the years between my Uranus opposition and Chiron return were such a wondrous time of realization and serious soul experiments. Life is such an amazing gift. Well, that's good to hear, Big Steph, because uh, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a weird time in my life. I'm, I'm learning how to be a, a completely different, how to identify completely differently. A lot of my life was identifying as a parent and my role as a, an authority figure, as an parent and, and sacrificing a lot of my time for my daughter's needs and uh, giving her advice. And now she doesn't really want that advice, <laughs> which is okay. Maybe she'll circle back around. And uh, I think she and I, full disclosure, we've had a little bit of conflicts the last few weeks because my um, I've been still trying to give dad advice and she's like, I don't want your dad advice. And, and to me, it's painful because I, I take a lot of, I create a lot of identity through trying to help people and give them practical advice. And when it's rejected, it, it hurts a little. And I'm learning though, that she has to do her own journey and she has to kind of learn and make some of her mistakes on her own. And um, she's trying to assert her independence. And, and uh, now I have to figure out, oh, what do I do with my time? Like, I can, maybe I can do more with my astrological practice, my professional life, or maybe hopefully my advice is appreciated here. <laughs> I hope. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a change. And I think that we all go through this as uh, different people in different life phases. And we just have to be flexible. There's flexibility that comes with this. So it's good to hear that stuff, though, that uh, the Uranus opposition and the Chiron return. Um, remind me again when the Chiron return, what the what the age is, is of that, but um, that might be coming for me. Uh, where is Chiron right now? It's in it's in Aries. Is that right? I should have one coming up pretty soon. Um, I don't have the the. I don't think I have Chiron on the chart. There it is. Yeah, it's in Aries. So once Chiron. I don't know when it'll actually move into Taurus, but I have Chiron in Taurus, so that'll that'll be my kind of little thing there when it's when it's happening for me. Um, so yeah, I have I have Chiron near my Moon and in the tenth house. So you all are seeing a big face full of Chiron uh, in these shows. Where I think that one thing that I try to do is expose my own vulnerability and teach through my own experiences and my own some of the hardships in my life and sharing vulnerability. And I think that's a, a Chiron signification that I'm, I've uh, experienced as well. Mm, doo -doo, but EK, Beth is here. Uh, hello, Beth. Uh, Beth says, I've never had a retrograde like this. Uh, I mean, hello, Spencer. <laughs> yes, it is a really, it has been, I've heard a lot of stories, Beth, that this has been a really funky one. Um, <clears throat> and I'm wondering why it's so crazy. I wonder if Venus being in uh, its fall might have something to do with that as well. Uh, Venus is not happy in, in Virgo in particular, although today Venus is in its own face in the second decan. So there's a little bit of dignity that Venus has, uh, an ability to create beauty through hard work, through asking questions, through separating things out into categories and things of that nature. So, excuse me. Um, Sometimes we just have to slow down and try again. I mean, that's one thing we could have done. I could have just canceled this and not done it, but then we wouldn't have had this beautiful experience today. So sometimes you just have to redo something, slow down, consider something, and, and, and go for it again. Uh, Raven says, feta and curry actually sounds good. Laura says, your advice is definitely appreciated here. Yes. So, Laura, I want to address your question. 
Laura came on Thursday, and um, I see that there's more questions here, so I'll, I'll hopefully I'll get to these as well. Uh, for, for those of you, please hit the, if you're just joining me, please hit the like button and the subscribe button. Um, that will be really helpful. I appreciate you being here. But Laura, Laura asked me on Thursday, what is the deal with having a fifth house ruler in the 12th house? And I believe your question, Laura, was about will I ever be happy being a parent or is there challenges with parenthood and related to having a child? Um, Laura, if I can share, I think Laura is very pregnant right now. So probably having, I'm going to guess Laura, that maybe there's, whenever we are on the cusp of becoming a parent or of a, a big life change, there's some anxiety that might happen. Um, and what I can tell you is that you are never fully prepared to be a parent. There's always some self-doubt that comes in on whether we're going to do a good job, whether we're going to be uh, you know, able to, to answer the call. And you kind of learn as you go. And I, I, was, I think that, yes, having the fifth house ruler in the twelfth house is not the, the most ideal position. Um, this is something we're going to study in our class, Guided Group Study. Because Demetra George talks a lot about, and I will show you, I'll bring the chart back up again. And, and Laura, tell me in the next few minutes if you are okay with me sharing your chart. Because I, I would like to show you some good news that I have for you. Because uh, I thought about this quite a bit when you asked me this question. And I wanted to make sure that I gave you something actionable um, with this. And I'm trying to find the chat here. Come on, chat. So I'm going to show you an example, and then we will break it down. So what we're going to be talking about, I'll use my chart first, because this example was a, an exact example. In I, I got like a free chart reading from Jamicha George, mostly because I have a very similar chart to Frida Kahlo. Uh, Frida Kahlo is a, is a Leo rising sun in cancer in the 12th house moon in taurus in the 10th so we share a big three and their exact placements she was talking about frida's chart and the direction that a planet is going to be providing resources so in this case we have the the ruler of the 12th whoops the ruler of the 12th house is the moon okay and it is providing resources to the 12th from a position of great strength, right? So we may be seeing that the, the, the topics of the 12th house are going to be experienced in a way that is very public, that will bring honor and merit to this person. And in Frida's case, Frida had some really difficult experiences with, with accidents and injury and illness, but it led to beautiful art that brought her honor and merit and longevity that like she was very well regarded after she passed too. And this is something else that we can see with the 10th house is what do people think about us? What is after we're gone too? So in my case, hopefully I'm doing something similar. I, I, I've gone through some really difficult things in my life, and by sharing those with my audience, hopefully that is bringing me some kind of grace and some a good reputation, I hope. Um, and it, it, it is helping to pull 
those two planets, the Sun and Mercury, out of the mire of the 12th house. Now, there's the, the challenge that we could see is if it was going the other way, let's say the moon was in the, the 12th, that may pull your career into working with people that are in the 12th house, maybe working in a prison, working in a hospital, working with people who are suffering, or your job may bring you some suffering type of thing. So for me, my job doesn't bring me suffering. I talk about my suffering in my job, if that, if that makes sense, that difference, okay? So, um, Laura, have you given me the go-ahead yet to, to share your chart? Because I would like to, yours is a really good example uh, on some mitigating factors. If you would like me to pull it up, I'll wait for your answer and, and look at some of the, um, some of the other questions here as I do that. Uh, okay, yeah, so Big Steph's talking about Chiron return about 50-ish, so we've got a few years. Um, I'm going to look for Laura's um, answer, and then I will get to these other questions. Yeah, I always want to make sure that I ask, you don't want to just share someone's chart <laughs> if they don't want it public. That's, that's a big no-no, okay, if you're out doing stuff like this. Um, it's, uh, it's important to respect someone's privacy like that. Uh, okay, I got the go-ahead from Laura, and I'll circle back for some of the other comments and questions. Okay, so what, let's, let's bring up Laura's chart. For those of you who don't know Laura, whoops, Laura is an acupuncturist from Toronto and a very good, also, astrologer, very nice, a very nice lady. Um, who I've been in a book club with in the past. I met them in a book club. And it's very, it's, it's very cool to be able to connect with people and find uh, community through that. So I'm going to find Laura's chart. Let's see if I can pull that up for you. I appreciate your patience. I think I have her under astrologers. There it is. All right, so there is Laura Burns' chart, acupuncturist from Toronto, Ontario, uh, who was born in Kingston, Ontario at 9.26 a.m. Eastern Time on May 23rd, 1983. Gemini Sun conjoining Mars in Gemini in the 12th house with a Cancer, 25 degree Cancer rising with Venus in the first house as well. So Laura is asking me, Laura right now is about to have a baby. Um, and I, I'm guessing, Laura, that you're a little bit concerned about parenthood, which is understandable. Uh, especially when you see a fifth house ruler in the 12th house. So, a couple things. First of all, the fifth house is Scorpio in this chart, and it is ruled by Mars. This is a day chart. Mars is the malefic out of sect. It is also under the beams of the sun. So it is a combust Mars under the beams of the sun in the 12th house. So on, at first glance, as an astrologer, you'd be like, oh, wow, that doesn't look so great, right? Um, the, what I would say is that, first of all, that nasty Mars does not aspect the fifth house. So in some cases, we could say that uh, it, it may have been difficult to get pregnant. It may have been difficult to have children. There may have been some challenges around it. And you can confirm or deny anything that I'm saying in the chat here, Laura. Um, and there may have been a lot of mental back and forth and a lot of anxiety around having a baby. 
And it might be through, since Mars is in the 12th house, I would say that what I would say that could be happening is that there's a lot of self-doubt about, you know, either the pregnancy or, or being a parent or whether you're going to be happy. Um, and it may more be about just, you know, your own thoughts creating the, the challenging experiences of parenthood. Okay. Now, that's the, the bad news, right? Uh, the good news, the good news is, so, so first of all, going back to the, the technique that we were talking about, about the exaltation Lord taking over if the other planet is in uh, aversion, okay? Because remember, Mars does not witness the fifth house. Scorpio does not have an exaltation Lord because in the, in the signs, in the sign of Scorpio, they say no, no planet can exalt where the moon is fallen, okay? So we don't have an exaltation Lord that is helping. But, Laura, you do have a planet that witnesses the house, and it's very well placed, okay? You have Venus in Cancer in its, I believe, its own triplicity, okay? I believe that's the triplicity, Lord. Let me take a look here, Laura. Yes, Venus is in its own triplicity, all right, which has group support. That's, that means that we have support from the group to be able to do what we need to do. Now, it is in an overcoming trine to the fifth house. This is another technique that's very important. It's not just what the ruler is doing that is going to witness uh, testimony for the, the topic. It's planets that witness it by aspect. So in your case, you do have an opposition with Mercury, and that's one aspect that it, it's making. But you have this beautiful overcoming trine from Venus to the fifth house in Cancer, in its own triplicity. Uh, and I think that's really good testimony. Now, Venus is the ruler of your fourth house. So where's this help going to come from? It's going to come from the fourth house of your family. It's going to come from the 11th house of your friends. So, and Venus witnesses both of those houses. So it witnesses the fourth house by square. It witnesses the 11th house by sextile and the fifth house by trine. So that tells me, Laura, that even though you may be having some doubts about your being a parent, about doing a good job. You've got some good support from your family. You've got some good support from your friends. And it takes a village to, to raise a child. And you have a unique ability to create a safe, sacred sanctuary with the Venus in the second decan of Cancer, right on my natal moon. That's why you and I get along, Lo, is your, your Venus is exactly on my sun. I'm sorry, I said moon, but I meant sun. Uh, and this is what we're, we're good at, creating safe spaces. So I think that you have access to all the benefits of Venus uh, that will bring you the ability to create a safe, nurturing space for your child. And I think that the main thing, Laura, to, to keep in mind is that it's going to be important for you to, to trust that, that you will be doing a good job. And I'll tell you what, you're, you're buckle up for the ride of your life because there's nothing that causes you to doubt yourself more than having a child, speaking from experience. But again, you have help. You have a really nice aspect from a very powerful Venus that is, you have access to all the benefits of that Venus because it is angular, okay? So try not to, to let your mind create too many obstacles and try telling yourself a narrative 
of success. I think that that's something that's really important as you move forward in your in your journey. Does that resonate, Laura? Hopefully that that is that is helpful, and that gives you some something to work with uh, as you move forward with your with your new journey. And I'm wish, wish, wishing you all the all the luck and good health. And I, I don't know when your due date is, but I hope that everything goes well with everything. And um, you know, here's the other thing: even if there are some challenges, even if there are some challenges with um, your experiences of parenthood. Oftentimes, those are character building experiences. I did not have a, a completely smooth parenting experience. Okay, I full disclosure, friends. I I basically got my my college girlfriend pregnant on accident, and I went through a really really difficult co-parenting experience. Um, I've been through the court systems. I've had to fight for being a part of my daughter's life when I was, you know, basically, uh, tr they tried to cut me out and I had to fight for that. Uh, I had to be present when someone was not wanting me there at all. And I had to keep showing up because I knew it wasn't uh, about what the other parent wanted. It was about being present for my daughter. And even if I had if I'd disappeared, um, my daughter eventually would have, you know, it would have caused a lot of problems. And because I was present and because I maintained, I think, some of my integrity throughout the system, the, the, the process, even though I was dealing with some very challenging co-parents, eventually I, I had a point in time where I had to step up and um, I received, there, we had a custody change when my daughter was, was uh, about 14 and I had to be pr very present in that. And it was a very, it was very challenging and I had to do a lot of soul searching and make a lot of changes in my life. And it actually coincided with me doing this work much more prominently because I didn't want to be a traveling musician person anymore. I needed to be home and I needed to be there and be present. And it is hard. Like, again, being a parent is not an easy experience. You're going to be tested and it's okay. Uh, maybe there was some kind of a soul agreement that you've made with that little person. And whatever challenges that you go through, I just know, Laura, from your character, just from having, just from having good talks with you, that you're going to do a good job because you have a good heart and that you come from a place of compassion and love. And that's the most important thing. That's the most important thing when you're a parent is just coming from that place, whatever happens. So I think that you're going to do great. Okay. Um, Okay, I'm glad that this is resonating for you, Laura. And I hope that this advice is, is helpful. Do in nine days. Oh my goodness, Laura. <laughs> Laura. Oh boy. Oh boy. This is so fun. So you might have a little um oh geez, what's the date today? Today's the 17th. You might have a little Libra on your hands. That'll be fun. <laughs> That'll be fun. Do you have a nice trine? You might have a nice trine with their son, right? That'll be fun. Okay. Um, and yes, just, just try to relax, relax into the process. The information that you need is going to come to you at the moment that you need it. You don't have to have everything figured out all at once, you know, and lean on your community, lean on your family for help. I think that that's what that Venus is really telling you. Okay. Okay. Um, Lisa, Laura says the best thing about maternity leave so far is being able to attend Spencer's live streams. Yay. 
Well, you live in Canada, so you actually get maternity leave. <laughs> so hopefully, eventually in America, we'll get something like that. Maternity leave? What the hell is that? <laughs> like, but um, yeah, I'm glad that you're able to join us, Laura, and hopefully you'll you'll be able to you know get the rest that you need and and you know have a, a easy birth process. And uh, you're not going to be sleeping for a little while, I'll tell you that. But just take it easy. Try to do everything that you can to take care of your body and not push yourself too too hard in the beginning. And recognize that even if it's hard in the first few months, that, that phase passes too. And there's new challenges in every single phase of being a parent. Um, there's the challenge of not sleeping when they're a little baby that if you don't pay attention to them, they literally could die. <laughs> there's the challenge of when they're a little bit older, when they you know, need you know, their boundaries expanded and all of that. There's the challenge of a teenager when they're rejecting you and you have to stay strong even, even though they aren't acknowledging and, and, and you know, respecting you. And then there's the challenge of when they're adults, when you have to kind of let go and, and let them make some of their own mistakes and, and learn some of their own victories as well. So it, it's, it's just different, you know, as, as we go along. So, so there you go. I hope that that's, that is helpful. Um, oh, you don't get paid maternity because you're self-employed. Oh, bummer. <laughs> it's still great so far. Well, I hope that you have a good savings account. <laughs> that you, you're still able to do some work eventually. Again, don't, don't, uh, don't stress too much about it. You're going to be a great mom, Laura. Okay, I'm going to go back in the chat and see if I missed some stuff because I wanted to make sure that I got Laura's question and gave it a good... Um, treatment. We can go a little bit longer here. You guys doing all right? You enjoying the, the stream? Enjoying the stream. How many people we still got here today? 32. Nice. Yeah, do me a favor, folks. Like this video if you are still here today. Uh, you know, subscribe to the channel if you're new. Um, if you want to make a donation, you can do a little super chat or super sticker. Or if you're listening after the fact, you can donate via buymeacoffee.com. Um, please sign up for the class, too. We're, we're coming around the bend. We're only a week away from class starting on the 26th. So, so reserve your spot. We've got, we've got a good number of people so far. We've got a good group that's taking shape, and I hope that you'll join me um, for it moving forward. And as always, reach out if you need to, uh, like a sliding scale. I've been thinking about doing, a, you know, there's a, I can send you a 20% sliding scale if you're really struggling. Um, if you really need to do a payment plan, I can do that. I, I prefer to do less payment plan things, but if it's the way you can sign up, I would be happy to work with you. Okay. Um, okay, I'm going back in the chat and looking for, okay. Rachel says, fourth house retrograde has had a very difficult quality to the usual Mercury retrograde snafus that I'm usually seeing. Yes, it, this has been a rough one. I'll be honest with you, it's been rough. Uh, Big Steph says, if you're the one giving birth for the first time, your fears are also immediate ones. It almost is unimaginable until you actually go through it. Yes, I would agree too. And, you know, there's, there's, there's some extra things to think about, you know, as we become parents a little bit later in life too. There's, there's different challenges we, we have to deal with. Um, but I think, like I said, as everyone is confirming here, I think you're going to do a great job, Laura. And I, and I know you and your character. And I, I think that you, like I said, your big heart's going to get you through it. Um, Lisa says, a positive of ruler in, of the fifth in the 12th 
could be that the child would be interested in occult topics and spirituality. That's a good point. It's a good point. Um, or maybe they'll be a doctor. <laughs> like, so that's, that's another thing too. Like you, sometimes you see your fifth house ruler as to uh, what kind of experiences you might have with them. In my own chart, my fifth house ruler is Jupiter and it is in its exile, uh, conjoining Saturn and Mars. So I had some real difficult um, experiences as a parent, um, felt there were various times where I was exiled from my child um, because of some very difficult circumstances with, with the co-parenting partner and just really had to, you know, do things a slightly different way than was than, than normal. Um, but, you know, you get through it and you learn from it as a learning experience. Um, Laura says that, thanks, Lisa, that would be cool. Yes, if if a child was involved in occult topics, feeling excited, anxious, and everything in between, yes. Um, Rachel says Laura's Instagram is so wise. Yes, check out Laura Burns' Instagram. You can put it in the chat, Laura. I don't remember the uh, exact handle that you have, but she she has some really great videos um, with astrological things and, and some, I believe, some acupuncture content as well. Big Steph says, Laura, it's the ride of your lifetime. You'll be grand. (laughs) Uh, Laura is also saying it was difficult to conceive for a while. Yes. So again, some difficulties with the fifth house ruler not being in the greatest shape, but eventually it did happen. Um, Maybe thank Venus for that. Rachel says, that was such a great demonstration. Thanks, Laura and Spencer. I hope, Laura, Laura, you will be all will be well it sounds like you're well supported yes thank you thank you rachel um okay it's resonating lynn says thanks for letting us in on this laura all the best for you on this journey um okay i'm looking for more if there's any other questions coming up uh so Big Steph says, your daughter knows you love her enough to fight for her. She will be back after she does her own thing for a while. Thanks for sharing that. You are a great human being. Well, thank you, Big Steph. It's tough. It's tough, isn't it? Yeah, it's, I'm sure that there's lots of people out there that have gone through uh, the experience of having adolescent slash adult kids and feeling the, the humbling that comes with changing your role with them. It's not easy for a Leo rising, let me tell you that. Like being disrespected is one of my ultimate pet peeves. Um, so when you feel rejected and you feel like you're, you have to, your, your authority doesn't matter anymore, and like your advice isn't appreciated, it's it's painful. Um, but again, it's another part of the journey that is another lesson to be learned, and I'm trying to learn that lesson and embrace the. The, what the possibilities of having all this freedom that I haven't had for, you know, almost 20 years. I became a parent very young in my life, and I had to make a lot of adjustments in my public life and in my schedule to, to, be, to try to be present for my daughter. And now my time is kind of my own again, and that's like, whoa, this is, this is a whole new thing. So uh, I'm still getting used to it. Um, let's see. Prayers for the change in us. Yes, Prudence. Uh, we're all going through these changes, aren't we? Uh, Beth is also saying that you will be worthy of the task, Laura. 
Bonnie says, I just popped in. So glad to catch you in for a few minutes. Well, thank you, Bonnie. I'm glad that you came on Thursday and I'm glad that you're joining us again today. I'm just kind of going through the chat and seeing all the uh, discussion, the great discussion. We had a chart demonstration with Laura, who was kind enough to share her chart and going through her last days of her pregnancy here, which is fun. Lynn says, can't wait for class. Yay, Lynn, I'm excited to see you there. Uh, yes, Allie says, this is a cozy stream. That's what I hope to do here. I, I think that the moon in the 10th house in Taurus um, on the midheaven is, you know, let's create a safe space. Let's create a space where we can be ourselves, where we can be honest and open with one another and create and promote healthy growth. And many people have commented on like, well, you should start an ASMR channel. <laughs> you know, part of it's this microphone. Part of it is cultivated, you know, use of my voice to help people stay calm. Um, but yes, I, I really love creating this space and this nurturing environment for people. And I hope that we'll do that in class too. Bonnie says, sending hugs to all mutable on the angles, really getting that Mars experience right now. Yes. Well, as a fixed rising, I'm happy to pass over some of those challenges to you mutable folks. But, I, but yes, it is. Uh, we all have, take our turns having difficult transits. And all of you mutable folks out there probably are getting a big face full of Mars right now in some important area of your life. So, so hang in there. Try not to overthink it. Try to find ways to, to, to relax if you can and to, to not think. That's a great, great ex exercise, maybe meditation and turning your brain off every once in a while. That's why I don't work on Sundays. Sundays, I, you know, for six months of the year, I plop my butt in front of the TV and I watch football and I turn my brain off and I don't have to think about things. Although now <laughs> with fantasy football, I'm like <laughs> looking at the stats, like, oh, are they doing well this week? <laughs> it's, but you know, uh, it's all, it's all in good fun. Jody is here. Hello, Jody says, hi, Spencer and friends. I've been sick all day. Oh no, Jody watching from my upstairs TV where I couldn't chat. So I dragged myself downstairs to tell you how much I'm enjoying this. Well, thank you, Jody, for 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 participating in the chat. You are always such a welcome voice. Um, I'm sorry you're not feeling well, and I hope that you heal up. You know, I hope we're just uh, a healing a healing boost for you today. Cheers to you. I hope maybe we'll see you. Maybe we'll see you in class. I would love to see your voice in class as well. Uh, Rachel, Rachel says, "Hey, Jody, sorry you've been unwell. Great that you're here." The, Jody says, the Laura demo made me cry, sending so much love to you, Laura and baby. Yeah, we have to be here for each other. We have to support one another. You know, I think that this is in these times where we can get really isolated. A lot of the times we can think, overthink things and just being able to be witnessed and be felt seen is really important. And, and I know that this isn't the same as like getting together at like a conference or being in a room together, but I hope it's the next best thing. And um you know, hopefully we'll even do more about being able to see each other's faces and like a, the Zoom that we're going to be doing um, with our class. Uh, Anna says, I'm sure you will do well, Laura. Trust yourself. Yes, trust yourself. Yes, trust that, that good heart. Allie says, I'm still looking for a way to make the financial part of the study group slash class happen. I have that. I have that I will find a way if it is meant to happen. Well, Allie, I hope so too. And I'm, and yes, I'm, Willing to work with you if you want to work something out again, uh, so we can be in touch. Um, Jody says, "Hi, Rachel, Lynn. I'm just looking through all this good support for Jody. 
and for Laura. Um, okay. Oh, yes. Jody signed up for class. All right. Sweet. Um, Rachel says, pop astrology question. Spencer, any thoughts on what we shouldn't do during Mercury Retro? Or should we just do what we need with more care and a more reflective attention to what pans out? That is a great question, Rachel. Pop astrology really makes a big deal of Mercury Retrograde. It is one of the things that is very easy to see uh, physically um, because in the modern world we we are very mercurial we we communicate on the internet we use computers and phones and cars and technology and it's very visible when mercury goes retrograde a lot of those things slow down don't function in the same way that they might normally uh, function i think that there there's the tradition or modern astrology will, will warn you not to sign a contract make sure you back up your computer um don't purchase tech type of things. I think that in the real world, we just have to do things sometimes. I think that the, the best advice I can give you about what you should or shouldn't do during Mercury retrograde, I think that you shouldn't have, um, shouldn't get expectations that things are going to work out exactly the way that you've planned it. I think if you are so attached to doing things one particular way, that is going to lead to the most suffering and the most disappointment. Had I been overly attached to doing this Q&A on Thursday and forced myself to cram it in, right? And to like say, I'm gonna do this come hell or high water. I think I would have had a less, it wouldn't have been as good as, as if I just surrendered to the fact that I probably just need to do it a different day. And luckily, I knew that my furnace guy was coming potentially on Friday, and I didn't schedule it for Friday because I was like, oh, I know that they're going to try to ask me to come during the exact time I'm going to do my live stream. And sure enough, they did. <laughs> and they didn't even show up at that time. They showed up like two hours later. So give yourself more space during Mercury Retrograde. Give yourself more time to go back and review something. And don't be, I said, here's the other thing you, I wouldn't do during Mercury Retrograde. Don't beat yourself up for mistakes you may have made. How, I wonder if that's something you hear in modern astrology, right? Don't drag yourself through the coals if you find something that you didn't possibly do absolutely correctly the first time. Because that's a lot of times what people do. They're like, oh, no, I screwed this up. Oh, I made this typo. Oh, I did this. It's okay. Now you realized it. Now you can fix it. That's what Mercury Retrograde is helping you to do. Go internal. I think the other thing I wouldn't do during Retrograde is just don't rush. Don't rush things. Let things play out in their own time. Mercury is slow right now. Consider the ramifications of your words. Consider the ramifications of your communication. You know, think before you speak, think before you sign, review everything twice, measure twice, cut once. I think that that's the main advice I would give of, of things I would not do. Don't rush around. Don't beat yourself up. Uh, you know, don't just never, don't get paralyzed that you stop doing things too. Like we're, we're going to be 
I mean, a belief, we're going to be starting class during Mercury retrograde. That's, that's just the time that worked. And we'll see what happens. That's baked into the chart. So I'm anticipating that the, the intention of our group may shift over the course of that period of time. Maybe we will set a, an intention for how many pages we want to read, and we might have to make an adjustment. Right now, I'm, I'm thinking of going fairly slow, like maybe 50 pages or so every two weeks, which is not, I don't think it's too much. I don't want to do too much because these books, Demetri George's books are really dense with information. And we could spend a month on each chapter, <laughs> honestly, uh, with chart examples and everything. So I, I'm, I think we'll get probably get through about two thirds of the book. There's a third section that is very dense, and I think that that might be what we do in the winter um, if we continue on with this series, which I think we will. I think it'll be good. Okay, so I hope that was good advice for, for and answered your question, Rachel, about what we shouldn't do during Mercury retrograde. Uh, big Stuff says, I have Moon, Mercury, Venus, Mars, and Sag. My mind rat rarely turns off. I ask it to please shut up often. <laughs> well, you know, Big Stuff... If you have Moon, Mercury, Venus, and Mars in Sagittarius, I think a great way to get your, your mind to quote-unquote shut off is do something physical. Go out, get some exercise, go out for a walk, get out in nature, move, move, move around. Um, I, I find that my best thinking comes when I'm taking a walk, and I think that there's a lot of restless energy having those placements in Sagittarius, and try to find how the connections between all of those things. How can you unify your body and your mind to achieve a goal? That's really what Sagittarius is doing. It's trying to unify body and mind to achieve a goal. Whereas Gemini is sort of splitting attention to explore multiple things and to decide what eventually to bring into fruition. Uh, Ali says, I'm definitely trying to work on that Mars in productive ways. I only have a mutable grand square with my ascendant Mercury, Mars, in Pisces, Mercury and Gemini, Mars and Pisces, Saturn, Uranus, Moon, and Sagittarius. Oh my goodness, that is a lot of mutable energy. Um, flexibility is the key. I mean, that's when you have a lot of mutable energy in your chart, it's going to uh, require adjustments and different types of adjustments though. I mean, Ge Gemini requires mental flexibility. Virgo requires uh, flexibility in the, the plan, the physical plan, right? Uh, Sagittarius requires flexibility maybe in the in where your passions are lying and then Pisces requires some flexibility and em emotional flexibility and surrender where sometimes the divine has a better plan than you have and that's that's a difficult lesson too Bonnie says Mercury retrograde that's an awesome word <laughs> I like that that's good advice that's great for Mercury in, in Libra too right uh, Mercury retrograde good good one Bonnie I like that uh, Ali says, feeling that Mars right now, for sure, I am buckling in. Yes, buckle in and, uh, you know, try not to let the, the emotional part of it overwhelm you and, um, you know, surrender to the process. You know, if you, I think with same thing with like resources too, I think if we, sometimes if we open ourselves up to new avenues of, of resources, and this, I'm saying this for myself too, like I, I've had many, many challenges with poverty consciousness in my life and i've if i surrender and i start telling myself a new narrative i hopefully 
things come to me when I need it. And I, I hope that I'm generous with my time and with my, the way that I set up my business. Um, and I'm trying to find the right balance between supporting myself and taking care of my, a lot of my responsibilities. I have quite a few now and they, they just seem like they're increasing as I get older. Uh, and being generous and making things accessible for people. So I, I hope I'm finding the right balance with that. And uh, I appreciate all of your support and cooperation with that too. And sometimes we just have to open ourselves up and tell ourselves a new narrative. I think that's something I'm trying to do right now is I, I put a lot of time into my astrology and I'm not like a rich astrologer. I'm not like someone who's making six figures. I'm, you know, making a decent living, but it's, it's still like, I'm still thinking about like, how am I going to pay something like this? And I, I'm trying to figure out how we get, get into a new narrative with that mindset. Um, and I think it's just, it starts with gratitude. If we think about how we can be gracious for the things that we do have, I think we do get magnetized to, to more of, of that. And, you know, but also, you know, frugality is, is important too. There's certain times where it just, it's important to like, tighten the belt, you know, this, I know people are going through tough times right now. So I, I, I can appreciate that. And that's why I try to be fairly flexible with the way I set things up. Um, Lynn says, I find that Mercury's tricksterish, tricksterish nature shows up in unexpected ways in retrograde. Expect the unexpected. Yes, very much so. Um, and I would say also with Mercury retrograde, expect a lot of negotiations to be happening behind the scenes, especially if Mercury is under the beams. You might be finding that you are experiencing something that is uh, hidden, a hidden negotiation, where you may be working on something behind the scenes, especially when Mercury moves back into Virgo. You may have to go back and, and get in touch with the process, the physical process of something, and it may be hidden for a while. You may be like redoing something and, and restructuring something, I think, on some level. Uh, Rachel says, I find flexibility helps a lot. And yes, not taking things too seriously. There you go. It's good. Hermes, Hermes has a sense of humor. So laughing at, being able to laugh at life and laugh at yourself is good. Is a good uh, remedy for all of this too. Ali says, I forgot Venus and Gemini too. Hey, we're Venus and Gemini buddies. Um, blame, I blame Mercury. Don't blame Mercury. Love Mercury. <laughs> like pray to Mercury to be kind. <laughs> That's what I do with the planets. Instead of like getting angry with the planets when they're doing stuff, I just try to say, I will surrender to you. Please show me the way. Say, say your Orphic hymns, make an offering. That's a great way to connect with the planets. Beth says, also on the retrograde, with my placements in Aquarius, why is this retrograde so hard for me? I'm having conflicts on the road and electronics being ex exceptionally eccentric through final, <laughs> finally functioning, though finally functional. Okay, uh, Beth, can I use your chart? Do you mind if I share your chart? I'll, I'll leave 20 seconds here for Beth to, to I'll, I'll take a look at that for you. And we'll do, give another example. That's what I love about these Q&As. We'll just show, do some chart stuff, right? Um, and as I'm waiting for Beth's go ahead, uh, Big Steph says, I'm definitely a hiking kind of woman. It's a necessity. Good. Good. Well, there's, there's a healthy way to deal with that excess passion and energy for sure. Um, Beth is saying events just events began happening when Mercury stationed. I've just never had a retrograde like this. Uh, so Beth has Beth is saying that they have uh, Aquarius as the 10th house. 
Um, thank God Mercury is not out of bounds in this retrograde. That's a good point, Tarya. Um, it will be out of bounds at the full moon on December 7th. I, I want you all to circle that ca calendar date because four planets will be out of bounds. The moon will be conjoining Mars in retrograde. Or Ma Mars, yes, Mars retrograde in, in Gemini. And four planets out of bounds. That, that one's going to be a little funky. Um, uh, Bonnie says, I ask Mercury, how can I see this differently? That's a great question, Bonnie, to ask Mercury. Mercury loves giving us alternative perspectives. So Beth, am I, do, I get, do I have the go ahead on your chart here? Or, and it's okay if no. It's okay for, we respect people's boundaries in this safe space too. If you don't want your chart to be public, it's totally okay. A lot of people are uncomfortable with that. Um, but I do, I do like sharing charts as a teaching tool. That's why, that's why I'm more public with my chart, because I think that you're able to, I, I've experienced my chart. I've experienced the highs and the lows of it, and I find that it's very instructive seeing those placements. But just kind of thinking about, um, Beth already admitted that she has a, a 10th house Aquarius, um, which would make her rising sign Taurus. So let's just think about this without even looking at her chart yet. Uh, and I'll get it queued up if she gives us the go ahead, but I won't share it yet. Let's see. I'm going to open. This is in client. Okay. So Beth is a Taurus rising. So without even sharing the rest of the chart, um, Mercury is going to be retrograding through her sixth house, okay? It's going to be uh, connected to her fifth and her um, second house of resources and of children because that is what it is making, uh, it, that's what's providing resources for. So if you let's I, I imagine that when we have mercury in a difficult house some of the more difficult significations may arise so let's say you have mercury in a positive house let's say it's retrograding through your i don't know your 10th house yes you may have some delays and some reviews in your 10th house of public life, but you may be reviewing something that, okay, I'll, I'll, Beth gave me the go ahead. So I'll share, I'll share her chart. All right. So here's Beth's natal chart, January 28th, 1979, 1127 AM, Taurus rising, sun and moon in the 10th, uh, 13 degrees Taurus rising. I will also overlay the transits with Beth's chart right now, because you can see that Beth has Mercury in the sixth. Okay, uh, it is ruling the second and the fifth. Okay, it is also. Let's see if it's making any funky aspects right now. Nothing too crazy. Like, yeah, it's. Uh, oh, I mean. In general, Mercury in the sixth house probably is saying, you know what, 
the things that you that generally will come to you that keep you from completion may have to be reviewed. So I, I really think it's important that your the way that you, you start thinking about houses, the, the way that we start thinking about houses is in relationship to what is called an angular triad. And an angular triad is basically three houses that are all sort of playing together with one another. So in this case, the angle is the seventh house. And, and the seventh house talks about completion. It is the place where the setting, we see the setting sun in the western horizon. And the sixth house is the cadent house that is pulling away from the angle. So a planet in the sixth house is being pulled away from completion while simultaneously wanting and desiring, desiring to, to move into that space. It's witnessing that space and like saying, oh no, I'm being pulled away from this completion. So I imagine a Mercury retrograde would bring all sorts of challenges in trying to bring things to closure. Like that's why we have injuries, illnesses, hard work that we don't get credit for. This is all where we feel like we're in servitude. So there may be something that's coming up that is an illness, an injury, something where we feel like we're just not getting credit for the work that we're doing. And that can make it feel like it's difficult for us to bring something to completion. Now, there may be topics associated with your resources and with your children associated with this as well. Maybe it's your kids that are sick. Maybe it's the kids that are having a, a difficult time, or maybe there's something that's going on that with them that's becoming expensive. <laughs> it's making it very difficult to do the work and to bring things to completion. So Beth, you know, tell us if there's, if any of this is resonating or if any of these things are coming to fruition. Um, I would also say you've probably been also experiencing Venus hanging out on your Saturn, which isn't always a fun experience either. All right. So that is, what I've got for you, Beth, on that regard. It's also never super fun to have Pluto, you know, grinding retrograde over your midheaven. Um, but yeah, so that's my rationale for that, okay? Let me see, some great comments here, some great comments. Um, Jody had a comment. Jody says Mercury retrograde. Oh, hold on a second. I gotta keep going back, the chat is, um, Bonnie asks, how can I, oh yes, how can I see things differently? Um, Bonnie says, the spirit of curiosity is so mercurial. Yes, get curious, see things from an alternate perspective. Jody says, Mercury retrograde is kicking my butt as usual, or as always. Usually it hits my equipment at work, my electronics. This time my bank account was hacked and drained. Oh no, <laughs> no, that sucks. Oh, that stinks. And Jody, uh, I let me see, where's your Mercury is in your 10th house right now, ruling your sixth and your ninth. Oof, that's, that's yucky. Hmm. So <laughs> that's no fun. But I could, I, well, I'm gonna have to start. I'm gonna keep going through here. But it's draining my bank account. Yeah, and, and you always have to look at the condition of your own Mercury in your chart too. And if I'm not mistaken, Jody, you have a challenging Mercury in your natal chart too. So um, that could also factor in. 
Allie says, uh, blame Mercury in jest. I do love Hermes. How can I not? My tr thrice great lord, ruler of my chart. Okay. Yeah, so we got to make friends with Hermes, right? Or he's going to place tricks on us. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, that is rough, Jody. I'm sorry. I hope that you're able to find justice within that. Um, maybe Laura says that is terrible. Maybe Jupiter can help restore money when Mercury and Jupiter make contact again. That's another great point that I haven't been really talking about. This Mercury retrograde, not only is Mercury retrograde, we have a really tough opposition to Jupiter right now where, you know, we're trying to do things that require cooperation, but we have Jupiter in retrograding that is really juicing up certain desires to be independent. And that can create a lot of problems too. So I think that that's something to really consider with this retrograde, why it might be more painful is because of that opposition with Jupiter. Mercury and Jupiter are not friends. Let's just get that clear. Mercury is in its, its fall and exile in one of Jupiter's houses and same thing for Jupiter in Mercury's houses. They are at, at odds with one another. Jupiter wants to bring things together. Mercury wants to divide them into categories. So um, we may be having some real trouble with that. Um, Bonnie says, that gave me an aha about cadent houses. Thank you, Spencer. Oh, good. Well, there you go. Mercury retrograde, right? Reviewing something we might have thought we knew already, but from a different perspective. Um, okay. Yeah, Jody says our Mercury is in the 12th natally with Saturn. I believe it's in its exile. So, uh, all right. All right, friends, what do you think? Are we still, we have any more stamina for this? Are we still going? Any more questions that you'd like me to, to get to or get into the two hour and 15 minute range? I'm, I think I can go maybe about 15 more minutes, depending on your interest. I'm here for you today. Uh, if you have questions, put them in the chat box and I will see if I can bring them up. I hope this has been instructive for you today. This is a good moment to pause and say that if you are enjoying the work that we're doing here, please, 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 the first thing you can do is hit the like button that helps get our message out to the more, more people out in the world. Become a subscriber to the channel if you aren't already and to the newsletter so you can keep up to date with everything that's going on. Please sign up for the uh, guided group discussion where we're going to be discussing Demetra George's book, Astrology and the Authentic Self, Volume 2, where we are delineating planetary meaning within the houses, which is very cool. It's, it's, it's a lot of it is what I've been doing today, showing you a planet in a particular house, get, getting some idea of its condition, and then connecting it to the, to, to the houses that it rules. So we'll be doing all sorts of that in our guided group discussion. Um, you can find that book at rebetopress.com. I wanted to make you make sure that you understand that the price of that book on that website is in New Zealand dollars, which is a lot. It looks more expensive than it actually is in American dollars or in, I think, the euro. Um, you can also find it on Amazon for like 45 American dollars. So it's not $72, which it says on the, the website. I do think that if you can make the exchange rate, I would. it's good to support Rebato directly. I like like just ordering it from them directly, but if Amazon works for you, then that's, go ahead. However you can get it, right? That'll help you to afford those, those texts. Um, <laughs> big stuff says, you look like you need a snack, Spencer. <laughs> Drink a little shake here. Nice observation, big stuff. That's my only weakness, low blood sugar. 
I'm the type of person that can talk and talk for hours until I get hungry. <laughs> That's when my brain stops working. Um, okay, so sign up for guided group discussion. If you need a sliding scale code, email me. It's okay. Don't be embarrassed. I'll help you out with that. Uh, usually I, I give either a 10 or 20% sliding scale code. That's, that's a great way to, to sign up. If you need, if you really do need a payment plan, we can work that out. I'm a little nervous doing a payment plan with Mercury and Mars retrograde. Um, but if that's the only way for you to sign up, I would be willing to work with you. Let's just have the honor system with that. Um, and yeah, that's going to be starting pretty soon. Make sure that you join me. Um, when Achuta Bavadas comes on on the 23rd of September, that is next Friday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I'll start promoting that pretty soon. That'll be a great talk. We're going to be talking about the new moon in Libra. Um, okay. So it sounds like people are starting to need a snack themselves. So I'm going to wrap this up here today. This has been a lot of fun. I love chatting with all of you. I love the questions that you have. You're all so intelligent. I hope that you will bring your light to class uh, that starts on the 26th. Like the, like the video, subscribe to the channel. Um, you make sure that you are being kind to one another, be kind to yourself. Uh, I'm seeing just the last little, you know, things here. Um, <laughs> big stuff says you're a wee bit pale, uh, a bit pale, peely wally as the Scots would say. Well, Funny, funny enough, Big Steph, I have uh, some ancestors from Scotland, the Mackenzies. I am part of the Mackenzie clan. My grandmother is a Mackenzie from London, Ontario, who immigrated from Scotland. So maybe your, int your Scottish intuition, <laughs> See, my, my paleness, like the, the redness in my cheeks is starting to fade, right? Uh, Rachel says, I'm fading a little bit. Usually I have less stamina than you. Than you for, thank you for the Q&A. Loved learning this way. It's kind of my Saturday evening fantasy football. Nice. All right. So thank you all. And thank you for sharing your chart and sharing your stories. That makes this so much more meaningful and useful. And for all of you who are struggling through this Mercury retrograde, be, be gentle with yourself. Heal up. Um, it, it's so great seeing all your faces. And I hope that we're able to connect soon together in the future. Um, I care about all of you and you all are such great friends to me and I get so much out of these chats and I hope that you do too. So as always, be kind to one another, be kind to yourselves, and I will see you next Friday for the new moon in Libra, the Chuta Bavadas. Take care, friends. Peace.